0: Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest manga and anime news and chapters out in the industry. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? I'm good, Kevin, man. How you doing? Good, good. Good to have you back. I I, just, I know I did a solo podcast recently without you, and I did miss you did. your I opinions. Felt, on... I, felt,
1: I felt shunned. I felt yeah.
0: unloved. <laughs> well, hey, that's why you got to read Bleach, man. But anyways, I'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, but... Uh, on today's episode, we're going to actually be covering uh, a lot of new stories that just ended up happening, not just in the manga, but anime world. And we wanted to cover those uh, stories here. Um, so that includes the My Hero Academia getting a live action uh, movie, which they found their director. Um, we're, get, we're going to talk about uh, Kentaro Miura's. Uh, Berserk uh, getting a new chapter. And then we're also going to be talking about Sony purchasing Crunchyroll. Um, And then we'll be ending the podcast on talking about uh, reviewing the first 18 chapters of Sakamoto Days. Um, And before we get into that, I just wanted to do a quick housekeeping to get that out of the way. Um, So as everybody knows, you could uh, subscribe to the Mango Revolution podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get podcasts. Um, And if you have Any places we're not on, just let us know and we'll make sure that we're getting on those podcast services Um, and make sure that you rate us and review us five stars that we really appreciate those uh, reviews. And then in terms of just finding our content online, you can find our content at comicbookrevolution.com where we post a bunch of uh, stuff on the comic book and manga industry. Um, I recently posted my solo podcast on reviewing the Bleach one-shot that just came out that um, is about 17-minute long review, so um, we're going to probably do a little bit more of those like one-shot style reviews um, here in the future um, as, as drops, depending on what comes out and stuff like that, and if there's a big thing like the Bleach one-shot, because again, that was my favorite manga growing up. It's the manga that I grew up uh, on manga, really, reading con- consistently, so I wanted to make sure that we, we covered that, and I know that Rock w- was not did not read Me- Bleach at the time, so they didn't want to have to force them to Figure out all the continuity of what the hell is going on that, that <laughs> to that. try chapter. to catch
1: up, I think I tapped out around chapter like two hundred and something. Yeah. So and it, it, what is it now? Like nine thousand eight hundred and twenty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was not going to have uh, Rock uh, catch up on all those cha- the remaining chapters of the Bleach series. So I decided to do a quick re- uh, review of the one shot that came out. Um, so if you want to go check that episode out, that's episode seven on the podcast feed um, for my thoughts on. The bleach one shot that um, that was that came out on the Viz Media um, app, so you could check that out there. Um, and then, for, in terms of social media followings, you could follow the Manga Revolution podcast on Twitter at the Manga Podcast, and then the uh, Concrete Revolution at CB Revolution. And then you could follow myself at Kevin L on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and Rock, where could we find you online?
1: You can check me out on Twitter at Rock with two Ks Revolution and on Instagram at rock2k's revolution. Awesome.
0: Well, that gets the housekeeping out of the way. So let's just get right into the news. Um, And the first news story that we're going to be talking about today is the My Hero Academia live action movie, Finding Its Director. Um, So Legendary Pictures, which is an American-based company, is going to be doing a live action um, movie for My Hero Academia. uh, And they have tapped uh, Japanese filmmaker Shinsuke Sato to uh, direct a live action movie and it, this will be shinsuke Sato's first english-based uh movie that he's directing because uh, for those that might not know he's actually a pretty famous director over in japan um who's directed a lot of actually anime adaptions for either tv or movie um, and in just the last five years he's actually directed quite a few um just to name a few it would be um i am a hero adaption which got a 91 percent a rotten tomato score on on 11 critic reviews and then we, he also directed uh Death Note: L- Light Up the World movie, which got a 41% Rotten Tomato score on based on five critics. Then he also directed the Bleach uh, live action movie that you could find on Netflix, um, that got 71% Rotten Tomato score. Uh, the Inuyashiki um, adaption that got actually 100% Rotten Tomato score based on five critics. And then uh, most recently, he directed Kingdom, um, which got a 93% Rotten Tomato score, and it, that one's actually he's directing the sequel of, and he's uh, which he's working on right now and uh recently came out with the Alice in Borderland adaption on Netflix that got an 83 Rotten Tomato score based on six uh critic reviews um so rock what what did you think of this news for uh legendary pictures entering the well re-entering the anime game because again they they actually did the P- Detective Pikachu movie um yep. a couple of years ago and they've done Godzilla all the Godzilla movies right that's yep. currently coming out so what what do you think of legendary entering My Hero Academia.
1: I am conflicted. I love Shinsuke Sato. I think he's an excellent hire. I think he's very talented. I think he will do a good job handling the source material of My Hero Academia. I'm not excited about an American company doing anything having to do with anime or manga because they just don't get it. They never have gotten it. And I think they consistently show they don't get it. I think Legendary's first Godzilla movie was a great example of how you just don't get Kaiju genre at all. It was just so bad. It is be going back, you know, to the original, you know, nineteen nineties Godzilla, the Zilla movie that uh, was made in America. It just American companies. It's just it's a different culture. It's a different way of doing things. It's a different mindset. It's no 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 slight on legendary it's just you can't take something from another part of the world and just automatically think you know how to do it the best so i'd prefer it be a japanese company but it's not there you go at least legendary hired a really talented filmmaker and i'm hoping that legendary stays out of his way and that's very likely this is legendary this isn't disney Okay, who, who, who usually tells the director what to do, right? It's not Disney, it's not Marvel Studios. This is legendary. And they do tend to give their directors a wide berth and a lot of creative control. And so if they continue doing that, then we should get a good movie, I hope. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, and I think um, just going off of what you just said is, I think, totally right about, um, I think it's the best that Legendary out of any American company is handling yeah, the, the adaption because yes. uh, we saw it with most recently what Detective Pikachu, Detective Pikachu's mm-hmm. budget was around like about $150 million. And yeah. they kept it the, in the Pokemon world in, in that yes. movie. So to be fair yes. to them, they did like yep. let the director do, we're going to be in it. Like, it was mostly CG world, but still, this is the Pokemon world. This is a world that most fans are going to uh, recognize. And that's kind of my hope for this is that they'll let Sato, because he's actually been extremely successful. It's not like this is a guy that's (laughs) not named. He has like brief work. He he has worked in the anime industry in terms of adapting manga and anime into live action. And the good thing is that because it's not a Japanese company, because all these um, anime and manga based movies that Japan does mostly, are mm-hmm. in the range of like about 20 million to 40 million from what i see in terms of max budget whereas legendary yes. will have much more to give sato be like oh, hey you already yes. did a lot of great a lot of stuff with little budget mm-hmm. now yep. we're going let's throw you a hundred let's say a hundred million dollars and you work on this that's probably gonna be for him he's gonna be like well i've never worked with this type of budget before uh, Right. so i think it actually marries like it's a uh, best of both worlds because again mm-hmm. sato will have the Legendary's budget compared to what he's been working on and then in terms of legendary they have a director that knows how to maximize a budget and turn like like they could be like here's a 80 to 100 million dollars he's gonna be like that's twice as much as i ever gotten yeah. from any of the other movies that i've done of course i'm <laughs> gonna of, of course i'm gonna maximize this So uh, it's best for them because again like i said Sato has worked on most recently Kingdom, which got a 93% uh Ron Tomato score. It's been highly successful. I think it made about 50 million dollars in, in the box office, um, which was I, I think it's so
1: Alice in Borderlands series for Netflix has been pretty successful too. Yeah, for the and most part. F- yeah, for the most part. I, I know I watched one
0: after this announcement, I watched the first episode of that series and it yeah. it's good. It's again. Yeah, it's as, it's as high quality as anything on Netflix, honestly, um, yeah. in terms of like what I expect from a Netflix show. And so so he does a lot with with a little budget. And that's that's great, because, again, like out of the five or what is it, the six movies that he's done and, and TV shows um, he's done in the last five years all of them are above a 70 or better on Rotten Tomato. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, not all of them have, like, Hollywood Reporter and all these well, other other companies right. that we know are, are right. reviewing, but they have critic reviews that Rotten Tomato has uh, um, recognized. So, and the only one that stands out in terms of that they didn't do so well was the Death Note Light Up the World, um, which, based on everybody's uh, reviews on that uh, yeah. movie, was that it was a cash grab um, for, for right. the company. But outside yep. of that, every, every movie, even the Bleach, which I actually did enjoy because I watched it on Netflix, um, mm-hmm. got a 71% Rotten Tomato score, which, again, okay, it's good. Um, like if that, that's that's a good score on Rotten Tomato. And if he could do that with with these movies that are probably a budget of 20 million to 40 million dollars, think of what he could do mm-hmm. with a budget of 100 million. That's going to be look great. And then he might also because he is actually a well-known Japanese filmmaker, he could have the power be like i'm not going to be setting this in america like w- you guys did with godzilla going yes. to set this in japan yeah. we're going to set this in japan so he does have the ca- he ha- he does have the cachet yes. to not just be like hey our main characters are going to be japanese <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to have a couple like non non japanese characters in here because that, like my hero does have have that in in the manga right. with with yes. uh with a couple heroes are actually um, foreign characters um, yes. but for the most part they are Japanese so he could be right. like hey we're not we are not doing this as an American show this is not based in gonna be based in San Francisco or New York this is gonna be in Tokyo right. um, so he has the power to be like at least pull some muscle on that and be like no we're, we're this is how we're gonna do it we're going to be faithful to to it so that so that is the good thing about them hiring him because he does have okay. that power compared to a director that has not does not have that power and is just like only an indie filmmaker
1: yeah yeah I, I think I think you're onto something there and that's what I'm hoping for as well. I I just it drives me I know a lot of people don't care. It drives me crazy when you see a an eastern story westernized with an all western cast in a western setting. It just drives me insane. I know some stories people argue, well, you could do the story anywhere. Okay, you could technically do any story anywhere if you if you twist it and shape it enough, right? But for me, it's an Eastern story. Let it be an Eastern setting with the Eastern cast. That's 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 what it is. It, we don't not every story has to have a Western cast in a Western setting, right? Not everything has to be set in New York or San Fran. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and going back to kind of because you, I know you mentioned it too with uh, Godzilla. With Godzilla, um, that was what Gareth Edwards' biggest movie yeah. at that point. So obviously mm-hmm. Legendary could be like, hey, we want this to be an American adaption of this. Yeah, thing. And he, yeah. he doesn't have the pow- same power no. as if they would have hired somebody that was known like James Cameron. If James Cameron came right. on and said, hey, I want them to set this in, in Japan, they can't tell him no. Whereas no, they're gonna say, "Okay, Mr. Cameron." <laughs> whereas Gareth Edwards, they could be like, "Hey, th- this is gonna make you. This is a movie that's gonna make your name." Even though, like you, right. ha- you have made a bunch of indie movies that, like you have gotten recognition. There's a reason why we hired you. Right. Legend- Legendary Pictures is the bigger name, not Gareth Edwards. Um, well, he's uh, whereas, like in in this case, they they tapped. Um, Shinsuke Sato, who in Japan, at the very least, is a big name, they they cannot Uh, mess, like, he is a name that's gotten a lot of recognition. So you can't be the same, you can't pull the same type of stuff where if Sato wants to set it in Japan, it's going to be in Japan. And you got to make you got to make the this is a case where the director has to be happy as well. So
1: and absolutely you and you can't be like
0: this is the store this is where it needs to be set and this is how you got to write the script yep Works. again like i said it's it's a good thing i think it is a good thing oh at the, yeah. end of the day that they hired sato because he has the weight to pull pull all that absolutely um, all right, cool. Let's get into our next news story. Um, and that's going to be um, Young Animal uh, magazine announced recently that they are going to be publishing a memorial uh, issue um, for Kentaro Miyurus, um, who passed away um, over the summer, and unfortunately, and so he also was not able to complete his work on Berserk, but It was announced that as part of the September 10th issue of Young Animal, that they will be releasing Chapter 364 of Berserk, which is the final chapter that Muta worked on before his passing. Um, as and they are going to include a full color page, and so um, and the entire issue as a whole is going to act as a memorial for uh, for Muta. Um, and they haven't said that if this is going to be the final chapter of Berserk, um, they just called this as the latest chapter for uh, Muta that worked worked on. So again, we don't know what the future of Berserk is, but they are releasing the final one that at least continue to uh, Muta worked on. So Rock, what did you think of this announcement?
1: I think it's very cool. It's the whole passing, uh, unexpected passing of. Mura was a real shocker. He's just way too young to be dying from heart issues. It's it's really sad. I mean, he's only fifty four. He had so many years ahead of him, Kevin, to continue to make some amazing manga. That's it's just so sad. It's heartbreaking. So I like that we're getting this chapter. We're getting to see his final work on the series. I I love that. Whenever this happens, I wish I, I you know I I just don't know what we're gonna how they're gonna go from here. Berserk is such a huge seminal franchise. It is so influential. I don't know if they can separate it from Kentaro Miura or not, but you know when something is worth a lot of money, there's some corporation (laughs) or some person somewhere that's going to want to continue to try to get money out of it. And it's unfinished. I don't know if, if Miura did extensive notes about where he wanted to go forward with this story that maybe another writer could hop aboard and continue. I mean, I don't know if you were a big fan of Conan at all, but you had Robert E. Howard did the first Conan stories and he passed away and he had extensive notes that they were able to use as the foundation for additional Conan stories after his death. So, you know, it's not the same as Howard writing himself, but you're, you're basing it off his notes. And I don't know if you had something similar to that, or not if he did have notes extensive notes then maybe you hire uh you hire a mangaka who has similar sensibilities who can take those notes and create it into more stories uh gosh i don't know would i be interested in berserk based 100 percent off of the ideas of an entirely different mangaka i'm not too sure i would and as much as I like closure, Kevin, and I would like closure on this title. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want that.
0: Yeah. Well, I know for what long running manga, especially, but almost any manga. Um, and this goes for con- like almost comic books as well. Um, yeah. I think that most of these creators have like a start point and end point that they've written yes. out of like, yep. they know that this is how they're starting off and that this is how they're going to end. Cause I've read enough manga where they are. They already have like the end game in mind, or um, right. it's just everything in the middle that they don't have mm-hmm. fully planned out. They let the, story kind of naturally progressed and if the story naturally progresses to a point where maybe their end game that they originally planned out when they started the manga doesn't work out they might adjust things for the ending but for the most part they have a start and end um, for for their manga depending on how long it lasts Um, obviously like stuff even I've heard what Oda with One Piece he says that he already knows how the story ends even though like it's still years out of when he's gonna end it but he's always from the beginning knew what the story of Luffy is gonna be at the end what the end game Mm -hmm. is and so a lot of these writers do have an end game in mind. I just don't know how much in terms of the middle and what right. I would hope for if they do end up continuing Berserk, because again, we don't know if they are, they haven't announced it. They just, we could just base it off the announcement where they said this is the latest chapter of Berserk. They didn't say the final chapter. They um,
1: <laughs> didn't say final so. chapter.
0: That's That's a tell like the only thing I could guess is that it's going to be hard for them to get a known writer to, to work on that. Cause that's not usually a thing with in manga in the manga industry that a known writer jumps on a new series. It's like, obviously in a book industry that happens all the, all the time. Um, right. But that's not something that's normal over there. So I'm guessing that they might not do that because again, that's not part of the culture for that. of uh, Known writers. Like you can't think of like uh Ashimoto or Akira Toriyama or somebody like jumping on, on berserk. Um, that's not going to yeah. happen. Like, Nope. Right. would to here in the United States with the comic book industry? Um, so right. I'm right. guessing if they um the company does try and uh, continue berserk, they might hire like his whoever his assistants were, um his proteges, and that were working that, on with sure. him like that. That's probably who they're going to tap because, and that would also work because they would probably be the only ones that really understood where he was going to take the story yes. so, yeah so um if he even if he doesn't have like a full outline of what the like the rest of the chapters that he was going to write for berserk was going to be he at least probably discussed it with his proteges and assistants that that he worked on so they, they all have the best idea of the yeah. direction for berserk and be like hey we're going to write the final arc like this is what the final arc was going to be that he wrote. So after there's 364, we're going to be entering into the final story arc of the end game. We're going to just go into that because that's probably the thing that they knew best. And let's just do that. And I, that's what I could see happening.
1: I totally agree even because you're right. Even if he doesn't have formal written out notes or outlines, you know, his assistants, he's assistants, they were talking all the time. I mean, Megacod eat, breathe, live their manga, right? And you know, even if you didn't have elaborate notes, they were talking about it all the time. They were discussing ideas all the time. You know that happened. So I, I agree with you. One of his assistants would op, would be clearly the best choice to go with in order to carry the ball forward.
0: Yeah, and I, and I honestly think that's probably going to end up happening if they do end up deciding to continue berserk. Obviously, they have to talk to Yuda's family and all that stuff yeah, if, they, yeah. if they're allowed um, to continue the, the series which I'm guessing that that's why they say it said latest they didn't say last right um, because they need to talk about all, all those all those yeah. things but if if they go go forward I could totally see one of the assistants being tapped and then they all like whatever however many assistants that were working on it they'll be the ones that complete the work on in terms of art and and story mm-hmm. um and just splitting it up that way of uh, of doing mm-hmm. that, just because again, I think that that is the best case scenario, and then just be like, announce yep. we're going we're going into the final story arc because it seems like the chapter three sixty four is also the end of a story the story arc yes. from what they said. So maybe Correct. that that's actually a natural way of like, hey, this is a n na- uh, this is a s- end of this story arc. So we're entering into the final saga of it, where it's going to be like the, the next twenty chapters is going to be the end uh, end of Berserk. We're going to finish up the work that he wanted. This yep. is the end game that he wanted, and if you position it that way, I think fans of uh, Berserk will understand and be like, "Hey, all right, we we want oh. to find out what Miura's final story were. The worst thing that they could do is just continue being like, this is just going to be infinite,' like One Piece oh, or Detective no. Conan, just because then it would feel like it's not his work anymore. So let's just, let's
1: just let's just get into the final story. I'm totally, I completely agree with you. The what will get me excited to read it, and for me to be perfectly fine with buying this would be if A they get Mura's family's consent obviously legally you got to do that first and as the family is cool then okay that's that's number 1 right family's always number 1 and then number 2 you get his assistance to do it and they simply pl- give you the ending and end it that way we've got a complete vision of what Mura had for the franchise as a fan I would be thrilled with that. Like you, what I don't want to see is, okay, let's just continue this on forever. And just taking an entirely new directions way outside of Mira's vision. I think out of the respect for Mira, let's just finish his vision and then move on. You know, man, the manga industry isn't like the American comic industry. These characters don't have to go on forever and ever and ever.
0: Yeah. And I think, and just marketing wise, that's how they could position it too. Hey, we yep. are and like as a reader friendly aspect where, when you're marketing it it's say, hey this is the fun we wanted to honor miuta and we wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that his story is complete that you get you as fans got the complete vision of what he wanted to with berserk so we are entering the final story it's going to be like 20 chapters uh long but we are going to complete his work this is our way of honoring him and making sure that you guys as fans got the complete Uh, vision of what he wanted for the series um and then it doesn't look like it's a money grab obviously it is like they are getting money grab but at least from a perspective of like a fan i would not see it that way i'd be like of course why not and you're hiring his assistants of course they're the ones that would know the series best they they know what the direction his story was so just from a marketing aspect of it and thinking about that because i always think about that 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 way that's my job but i would think that that is the best way to ingratiate yourself to the fans Totally agree. Awesome. Well, again, it's going to be exciting to see what that final chapter for that he wrote and drew. um, So it's going to, um, so just keep an eye out for that. It's going to come out on September 10th um, in in the Young Animal uh, Magazine um, in Japan. And we'll probably see like a translation eventually here in in the United States of that. So the next story that we want to talk about is uh, actually some other manga news is uh, that Kadokawa, um, which is a uh, one of Jap- Japan's uh, largest uh, p- um, manga publishing and light no- novel publishing um, companies uh, who- that publishes about five thousand different series a year is what they average um, between light novels and and manga. It just announced that they are are having plans to do simul simul pubs, kind of like what Viz does, and then we recently talked about Azuki um, d- does as well. The one and they are going to include um, at the- initially five series that are going to be simultaneously published in English and Japanese. Um, and, but the one, one difference is that instead of being part of a subscription service like uh, Viz is and Azuki is, Katakawa is actually going to be charging fans for sim- these pubs. The, from what I see in, on their website, that's called Book Walker Global. Um, they charge about $1.80, uh, $1.91 um, for each chapter. So uh, they haven't announced any plans to create a subscription service like Viz or Azuki. So, um, so it does seem like they will be charging per chapter. So that is like uh, as a heads up, if you're interested in any Kadokawa um, uh, ma- manga or light novels, that is like the one difference. Um, and as part of this, uh, the and so, yeah, so there's five titles. And the one thing that again, I wanted to also preface this is Kadokawa also um, it recently got into some bad news just because their pre- president CEO recently got into some controversy. Uh, his name is not to not know um because he recently came out with some pro censorship remarks and that, that got him actually into major trouble so um and he actually ended up apologizing for these remarks um to to all his writers to like releasing that actual statement that said because again his remarks fr- from the tv show that he was on kind of said that japan is overflowing with with manga that that is even more stimulating than than gravure gravure is like even like ra- raunchy content. So yeah. um, because Katakawa, but, but it,
1: they're usually clothed. Yeah. It's not, it's not nude. They're clothed, but it's, yeah. but it's raunchy. Yeah.
0: And and, and for, for fan, for people that might not know Katakawa is one of the publishers. I think their most the famous thing that they're most tied to is high school X or D and D I think it's what it's called. Uh, and that is a very raunchy uh, series. Yes, yes, um, yes it is. <laughs> and so, so again, he kind of was trying. He was. This was part of a TV show that he was on doing an interview, and he did come out with an apology because, again, a lot of writers and artists that uh, in Japan were very angry about his comments about censorship uh, being pro-censorship. Um, and so, he did end up apologizing, and on top of apologizing, he decided, he announced that he's taking a twenty <laughs> percent pay cut of his salary. So. Which yeah, is not a normal yeah, thing. Again,
1: yeah, you would you would never see an American CEO. No. They might apologize, but you would never see them take a twenty percent pay yeah. cut ever.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so, love that. Again, and that just just go, goes through how Japan is totally a different uh, place. Yes. That like how CEOs and presidents run things, especially when it comes to these uh, controversies. So again, I wanted to give people like an idea of what's been going on with Karakawa, um, because. Yeah. Again, this announcement did come two weeks after the, this controversy. And so, again, we can't know if this was always the plans for them, that they were always uh, planning because Katakawa Kata was teaming with uh, Yen Press previously to uh, publish all their English content. But this is they're taking the, uh, the work internally. And so, again, like I said, it's not something that were these two incidents are related or these two news stories are related. But I want to give people some context of what's been going on with the company because again, Kadokawa is does publish a lot of light light novels and manga that is seen as a little bit more rauncher content, even that you would yes. find on on like uh, Suisha or uh, oh, yeah. Hanacha, um, which yeah. they, they have their own fan service, but it's not to the degree of the, uh, no. what, what you see, would find on Kadokawa. So again, just wanted to give everybody some context on on the company as well. So, right. what do you think of this news,
1: Rock? I thought this is fascinating. It this really, if people who are not those of us who are big. Manga fans like you and I, Kevin, we, get, we understand clearly the difference between Japan, America, the manga industry, and the American comic industry. They are think People who don't know manga want to think they're the same as the American comic industry, and they couldn't be any more different. And this is a good example. In what got the CEO in Hot Waters, he said that a lot of Japanese manga wouldn't pass a review at Google or Apple, who are both known for censoring things. OK, Apple, probably more so than Google, they're almost prudish with their standards of, of censoring things. And what um, what Americans may not know who aren't familiar with Japan and the manga industries in Japan, the First Amendment and freedom of speech is a huge deal. Like it's a huge deal. OK, way bigger than it is over here. So the air, the like the, the, the merest mentioning of censorship in Japan, you could talk about it here all day and you can censor stuff like Google and Apple do. and People won't care. In Japan, they will go crazy. And what the CEO was mentioning, he's like, he said that uh, that he feels like what is being released in Japan will uh, won't pass abroad, and that they need to reestablish the standards of what is okay to release and what isn't for the internet era. That they have to redraw the line somehow. Not good. One of my one of my favorite mangaka, Ken Akamatsu, who did Love Love Hina, which I loved as a <laughs> as a teenager. That was an awesome manga and also did Nigami came out and just crushed this guy and saying that Kotakawa imposing self-censorship is really important because Kadansha, for example, that's a privately that's a privately owned company. Kodakawa is actually listed on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. So they have shareholders and could possibly have foreign shareholders. And they don't want to see any type of censorship from abroad being exerted on the Japanese people and the Japanese creators. And one of their novelists, uh, Mikito Chinan, I think really put a fine spotlight on it, Kevin. It's why we like manga so much and why a lot of people like manga so much. When Shin said that if censorship were to happen, then Japan's manga and anime would lose all their predominance. Manga and anime are received well overseas because they are created with freedom and without consideration for what will do well there uh, so that's it but you and i agree what's great about manga is it's crazy diverse it's crazy unlimited and is there some stuff kevin that you and i wouldn't read absolutely okay because as americans you and i are probably like, Ooh, that's cringy I can't read that. You know, anything involving young girls or boys. You know what I you know what I'm talking about Kevin. This like any of like the
0: the, any, any of like the super sexualized content that's uh uh-huh. involving it, like high like involving especially high schoolers and yes. like it gets like, very uncomfortable,
1: very, yeah. For, for us as Americans, yeah. it's super uncomfortable. So I don't yeah. read it. That's fine. Yeah. It's but I'm not going to tell Japan what to do. Put yeah. it that way. It's not my yeah. place to tell Japan what to do. Yeah. And so I think that what makes manga great is this Unfettered Freedom, and I just, I I thought it was interesting, Kevin, that not only is Katakawa going to be doing their own simul pubs, they're doing their own translations as well, which is very important because there has been some minor, not, not major controversy, but minor controversy where American translators will subtly change stories that the mangaka had to make them more western. Yeah. Um and so that's a bit of a little minor controversy with some translators. Well, that's not happened with Kanakawa. evidently. They're going to handle translating themselves. What I'm curious Kevin is two things with this article makes me wonder. One, uh, I'm with you uh, when we talked outside the podcast. I I've used the BookWalker app and it's a fine app, don't get me wrong, it's good. You do have to buy everything though. Okay, it's like the Amazon Kindle app, right? You're going to buy it and download it and there it is. But what I'm and, and I don't know if that's really the best format going forward for manga. I really do think that the Gen Z, in particular, I got two of them in my house, Kevin, and I think uh, the the subscription service model is way more popular than having to buy individual chapters or volumes of the manga. I really do. So I don't. I think. I think that they may want to eventually pivot away from doing the bookwalker only with the buy it and doing a subscription service at some point. They're they're going to do their own summit pubs and they're going to do their own translations. There's no reason why uh Katakawa can't do their own subscription app, right? There's no reason.
0: Yeah. That's and again, what- it's
1: just it, 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 I think
0: it would just be if that's the direction that the company is cuz they would have to have their own department yep. for that that which would be costly where um, and they're not a tech, they're not a tech company, they're a publishing company. So like we right. see this all the time with like publishing companies, even here in the United States, there's a lot of yep. publishing companies that are super huge here in the United States that don't have their own streaming service. But again, cause that is a completely different animal that yes. they probably don't know. Yep. And they're, they're yep. all these publishing companies they are editor first minded. They're not yes. tech, tech, tech they oriented in terms of that stuff. So it could be easier to just team up with say Azuki, who yep. is just, this is our focus. They could mm-hmm. or even comicsology unlimited that hosts a lot of manga it could be like hey we know you're doing so, asylum pubs put put them out on on our service and we'll and you they could even say oh we're, we could only have like half the run the rest of it could be on on the book or that that's how we're working out because that yep. comicsology unlimited kind of works that way of uh, yeah, even yeah. like books and stuff they'll have specific parts of the run but they won't have complete runs or and then you got to buy the rest of the runs because again they, mm-hmm. they want to see and that's how it works for comic books so and also some manga but but they could work at it that way um and that actually might be more cost effective for them because again running your own app making sure it's updated making sure it's like everything gets published under that's a whole different expense that maybe they just don't want to yes. have um because that, that's yep. that's the biggest thing it's, it's money it's all it's all about money and if it's cheap if it's cheaper to just have like a uh, another company be publishing it in like over especially overseas which things could get extremely costly and you don't know what then oh, yeah. you don't have everything in terms of the how business works over, over in other countries like the United States or UK or in all these other countries why not have a company that is ba- either based there or has been working in that for a long time to right. do it for you
1: um, and there's no reason why Katakawa can't they can do their yeah. they can do their translations and the simul pubs and yeah. just pass it off to Azuki and Azuki can slap it yeah. on their surface. Yeah, exactly. It's so real easy. I'm curious, Kevin, if this the second thing that makes me wonder is will you see will this put more pressure from mangaka on Suisha and Kadansha to start doing their own simul pubs and translations? Yeah, and that that would be interesting. And then I think it over to Western companies
0: with that, um, because Kondansha and and they' I think what you said mentioned that they're private, more private companies. They're not they publicly traded, so yep. I, I don't think that they would have that type of sway. Because, like, when it comes to a public company, you like your shareholders and even your yep. creators could have a little bit more sway on that. And mm-hmm. I think with Swaysha, I think they're happy with Vi- like they've had a long running um, yes. with Vi- Viz Media, and they've been. I haven't heard any. Anything in terms of like their animosity or anything like that with the two companies, I think Viz has done a very good job in the translation. Obviously, there's some censorship and not not censorship, but alterations to the writing because again, there's on, like honorifics just for like the minor things, like yes. um and to other things that are different in the United States that they tailor to more United States a little bit when you read it compared to what's in Japan. But I don't know if I see see those companies do it um, just because. But um,
1: you, also, you also keep in mind that Sveisha owns Viz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think yeah. I think Viz will do whatever uh, Mama Sveisha tells them to yeah. do. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and it, it, it's another corporate arm for them. It's just um, and same thing with Kandansha. I think they like Kondashia, yeah. I could see a little bit more of if they they bring in their own. Too. But again, but be, just because I think what they only team up with Dark Horse and all, all the other companies that are right. like corporate companies out here, um, so they may do it, but again it's just about time effort and money and money yeah. the bi- biggest thing they have like they're like <laughs> it's not worth it for us to like simultaneous publish and just have like our own publishing car because i know what nintendo here in the united states they have their own translation yep. like in, in up in seattle where they have a, a nintendo america does the yep. translations and they have their own translators in-house for for a lot of their, for all their stuff um mm-hmm. so i know that in terms of the video game industry that's how it's handled but again I don't know if the manga industry wants to go that direction. Cause again, it might just be best just to be like, Hey, you guys know know how people talk over there, like adjust it how you guys need it. So that way it makes yep. sense in that country. So again, cause again, every country has a different way of speaking a little bit. So it's yes. like so, some things yep. in Japan will not totally work. Like not yep. even the United States, but also in the UK or Spain or all these other countries that like, the South America, like in Spanish. Uh-huh. And like, we, we very much know from tra- when we translated Spanish and English that everything's not, <laughs> um, it works out one-to-one. So. Right.
1: Oh, no doubt. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, so, it'll, it'll be interesting. Again, I, I'm excited. Like the one thing, the only reason, the only thing that with are that, uh, Kurokawa, uh, that does kind of turn me off in terms of their their stuff is that they have super long names for all their titles because, again, these are because these are based on a lot of (laughs) a lot of the stuff is either adaptions of, of light novels or web novels that that these creators have worked on and Yep. I've I've noticed a trend with these light novels and web novels, especially as of late, that these titles these are all super long titles. And I'm just like, I don't I can't yes. remember what the title I just read, Like, yeah. or what very the tight. title is like. Like it's not SEO friend, it's not very SEO friendly when no. you have these long ass titles. But no. again, that's just a like a thing when even <laughs> I saw like the the titles that they are translating. I'm like, my little sister yeah. stole my fiance. The strongest dragon favors me and the plans to take over the kingdom. I'm like, whoa, ah. that's uh cut it off at, at my fiance maybe that's as long as you should make it so. right. yeah <laughs> but yeah the titles but again, are crazy uh, these are crazy long titles again that that's what the the uh creator wants to do but at the same time just like man like and that just might be here in my american brain of like got to cut cut off the name cuz i think this is going to make up the entire poster or like hey. <laughs> it's going to take up the entire cover or just the title itself so um like that's why we have like Naruto or One Piece or Bleach and stuff like right. that because right. it makes sense and then, then we could just do like search, search it's easy to find and everything. So, that's right. Um, again, that's just a little thing that just stood out to me when I was when I saw the titles that are being published <laughs> and I've yeah I've read a couple um. um well not uh mangas based on web novels like uh that time i turned into a slime and i got re- i got reincarnated into a slime that, yes. that's probably the one that yep. that most stands out into my mind that from light novel to uh to manga to to anime yep um, yep but and there's a lot of those instances but like that that is one trend that i've seen that anything that's been adapted from a light novel has a relatively long name and that, that's how I t- that's how i could tell it's an adaption of a light novel not a manga
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're absolutely right <laughs>
0: Um, but, okay, cool. Is there any other thoughts that you had on that um, for what Katakawa
1: is doing? No, I'm good. Let's hop to Sony.
0: Yeah, Sony. So, yeah, so, like, I think we're going to close out the, the new segment of this uh, of this episode for to talk about Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll being finalized. So for those that might not know, uh, Sony Pictures uh, entered into an agreement with AT&T back in December of 2020 to purchase Crunchyroll, and it was finally passed through the U.S. Senate and, it, um, and, and through all the Different checks and balances that we have here, and so Sony Pictures got um, purchased Crunchyroll for a whopping 1.175 billion dollars. Um, so oh. that that is a lot of money for. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. But and um, speaking on on uh, on this is uh, the chairman, president, CEO of Sony Group Corporation, uh, Echido, uh Yoshida. Uh, he said, uh, "We are very excited to welcome Crunchyroll to the Sony Group." Anime is a rapidly growing medium that enthralls and inspires emotion among audiences around the globe. Uh, The alignment uh, of Crunchyroll and Funimation will enable us to get even closer to um, the creators and fans who are the heart and of the anime community. We look forward to delivering more outstanding entertainment that fills the world with emotion through anime. Um, So, And then as uh, in continuing that, that statement, um, Sony, they, they didn't announce that they are going to plan to unify the Funimation and Crunchyroll platform. They didn't announce if it's just going to be main Funimation or Crunchyroll or if it's going to be a new name. They are going to um, announce that at a, at a later date they, and so and, and with no um, release date announced yet because again this merger just happened um, like as we were entering the weekend so um, so there are still plans of unifying the platform again no date or name has been announced for or what the platform will be. Um, And for people that might not be aware, um, this is all part of, on AT&T's side, um, this is all part of, like, them getting, offloading a lot of debt that they acquired um, because of the Time Warner acquisition. They acquired about $180 billion in debt when they acquired uh, Time Warner. Um, So, they've been doing a lot, and and that was back in 2018. Um, So in order to offload some of this debt, AT&T has been doing a lot of moves to kind of have companies either buy part part of the stuff that was part of the Time Warner acquisition or kind of give ownership of, of these properties to other companies kind of like w- with Crunchyroll being sold to Sony. They've also done things where like DirecTV, they, they've they spun that off so that yep. 30% of that is owned by a private uh, equity firm that uh, named T- TPG. Um, they've also... Announced a forty-three billion dollar merger of Warner Media and with Discovery Communications, and they sold and recently sold off ten per, their ten percent stake of Hulu yep. because uh, Hulu was split off into different stakes of different entertainment companies, with Disney owning the majority. So it looks like they they sold the their portion of owning Hulu to to Disney. Um, they've been doing a lot of these moves again. They wanted to offload a lot of that 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 they accumulated for from purchasing <laughs> Time Warner, which was unexpected, and that was just in twenty eighteen that they purchased that. So it was about three years ago um
1: bad purchase kevin
0: (laughs) so yeah so (laughs) so yeah so you've seen at&t um be super active in terms of selling or merging or like um some of their property um and again the sony acquisition of crunchyroll is part of that we are not totally sure when this unification of the platforms will be because for those that might not be crunchyroll it is still part of hbo max so i'm sure that uh uh part of the deal is when it when maybe it will come off hbo max because we've seen it a lot with disney and all these other companies that they want to own all the all the streaming that they have uh or all the content that they have for their streaming platforms so i'm sure that some some of that may be holding it up of like when we will see it because um when when that deal runs out whatever again that's all part of the contracts they, they sign when they're purchasing and Again, it's still a big purchase that it still needs to go through in terms of money exchange and all that stuff. But again, we will see when we'll have the unified anime platform um, in the future. So, Rock, what did you think of this uh, acquisition by Sony of Crunchyroll?
1: Honestly, Kevin, I was beginning to think that this purchase was going to get smacked down by the Biden administration only because we've been hearing a lot of talk about how much more hostile – the u.s government was going to be toward these large uh, purchases with, between corporations and that they weren't going to be as willing to green light kind of purchases that create large no. monopolies right so i was no. thinking and look i mean it's been eight months since this was announced since they no. announced their sony announced their intention to buy crush roll so i'm thinking uh, it's been eight months this uh, may not happen
0: And on that, too, because you also got to remember that it wasn't even the Biden. they didn't start with the Biden administration. Also, the Trump administration had that because they they came out with saying that they don't want to see foreign companies, which Sony is a foreign company. It's a Japanese company buying stake in an American company. So this was a thing of like Crunchyroll and AT&T is an American company. So Mm -hmm. that was another holdup is that uh, of like a foreign company coming in to buy a a, a, um, domestic property here in the United States. Um, So that, that was something that there wasn't even, I just wanted to answer of that saying that it's not Biden. It was because the Trump administration was was also like in, in our government has been about that, of like they're always weary when it comes to like a foreign company coming in and buying state because yes. we see that I think for us like being video game fans, we see that with what Tencent doing that a lot in the video game industry. Yep. Um, so yeah, so there there's a lot of weariness and that that was my biggest thing, concern as well. Of like this going mm-hmm. through is that it was Sony Pictures, it's a Japan company, it's not an American company buying Crunchyroll, so that was like and the, it the, the,
1: definitely the, create a monopoly. Yeah. yeah, in the industry, which is a big concern for our government going forward. So, but hey, it happened. And what's crazy, Kevin, Sony, the Sony Group Corporation now owns. Think about this, Kevin. They have they have Funimation. They now have Crunchyroll. Oh, but that's not it. You also have you. You also have Sony Pictures Entertainment Japan, which creates anime. You have Animax and Kid Station, all dedicated to anime. You have Aniplex, also dedicated to anime. I mean, you have with the purchase with uh, 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 underneath Funimation, you've got Funimation UK, you've got Wakanim, you've got Madman Anime Group, and you've got Anime Lab. I mean, Sony's like, I want all the anime. <laughs> Which I have no problem with. I'm super excited that it was Sony that bought Crunchyroll. I, again, you know my bias. I like my anime be japanese it is theirs it is not ours it is theirs just like i like my nfl to be american Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you you don't you you don't don't
0: want a mexico city uh nfl (laughs) team or i uh Manchester uh, football team
1: (laughs) the Manchester uh, what were they the Manchester Terrier uh, (laughs) Terriers so I so I was really excited when it was Sony who was buying Crunchyroll I just I'm glad I feel more comfortable with a Japanese company owning a large anime service to me it just feels right it makes me relaxed it makes me happy so I'm glad that Sony is buying Crunchyroll I'm thrilled that it went through. I'm glad the government didn't block this. I'm I'm very glad because you and I, Kevin, have talked off the podcast that we got to consolidate some of these subscription services already. It's just, there's too many of them, right? And I love that Sony, they haven't given us a timetable, but I love that they said they're going to unify Funimation and Crunchyroll platforms. Thank you. You know what, Kevin? I'll even pay a little bit more than having to pay for both, yeah you know
0: yeah and the other, the other interesting thing because i think in terms of just pure anime uh streaming i think the only competition that like funimation and crunchyroll have had is like high dive um from what if oh, I, I yeah. think, yeah i think is the only other anime because they they stream like the non-funimation um and um right. stuff for the most part there, there's some stuff on high dive that's also on crunchyroll like food wars and stuff like that yep um, because they team up with i think high dive teams up heavily with uh sentai filmworks which is a um, right. a, dub- a dubbing company here um, and uh, mm-hmm. other dubbing companies as well. Cause there's like dubbing companies that are not just attached to Funimation. They're like Crunchyroll had their right. own, they did their own dubs as well. That was, uh, that's another important yep. thing to recognize that Crunchyroll actually, before this, they actually were producing several animes and also yeah. dubbing animes here in the United States. So they have their own arm. Like I think right. the most famous one for us that we just recently watched, I know that you were watching and uh, recently was the God of yeah. high school. Yeah, um, they, yeah, they, yeah, they actually they actually did that anime. They teamed up with right. webtoons and and produced that anime. So they were doing a lot of production on that. So, but I think this just kind of speaks to the content war that we're in. Um, because I'm sure that for Sony, this isn't about high dive or Crunchyroll or anything like that. This is about content, and mm-hmm. this is also n- recognizing that in terms of their competition, it's not um, Crunchyroll actually. It's Netflix because Netflix has been yeah. heavy into. The yeah. anime, um, because it, uh, Netflix has recognized, I think we, we both see from what, what content they have there, that anime is a big deal. So they've been getting a lot of anime recently. And because I believe like the biggest one that they recently got that just came came on Netflix was Shaman King. Um, that's and right. They, and, they, and, they, yeah. and they do have the 2021 version of Shaman King on their platform that's exclusive to their platform. Yep and they yep. also do have some funimation stuff on there they have also some viz media stuff that's you would find on the funimation platform like naruto yeah. yep. and, and things like that um so and that also just speaks to kind of the iffiness because i think there's um when when i was reading up on a little bit of this is that there's a difference between licensing out the, uh, the dubbing um or and then also if you're just um, if you're having the exclusive deal. Because w- when you have an exclusive deal, then it's going to be exclusive to your platform. Whereas licensing, that just means that you're allowed to have it as part of your platform, but it could be on other platforms as well. So which is right. why you do see a lot of animes that are like either exclusive to Funimation or and which Funimation actually has, I've noticed that has started marking anything that's exclusive to their platform on their on their app. They, they'll put the yep. exclusive mark on there. Whereas other things, they'll be appear on Netflix, they'll appear on Funimation, they'll appear on Country Roll and things like that so again it'll be interesting to see how that may change as well because i also know like what i believe funimation has started getting uh some viz media stuff on there like naruto and bleach has recently come on um funimation which it wasn't there previously um it was on netflix and crunchyroll but and hulu as well but it was never on funimation so it's interesting to see if crunchyroll if if uh, sony will try and team up with viz a little bit more because they Again, that's going back into the Swedish arm of, of things, and we'll, we'll see how a war for content is going to continue for like specifically the anime industry because right now yeah. the biggest competitor for Sony will be Netflix, and I think this is just another notch on that for them is uh, in that war, content war because we're seeing that with every every industry, every like yep. whether it's comic books, anime, manga live 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 tv where everybody's just bidding for for content right now because everybody wants them to be exclusive to their platform they want to make sure that their platform is is the place to go so it's going to be interesting to see what the unified platform is and how that that may also change like the exclusivity and licensing Mm -hmm. deals that we may see in the future
1: i I gotta think kevin that's going to exchange it's going to change some of those licensing deals going forward i I just there's i don't know Mm -hmm. sony doesn't Sony doesn't buy Crunchyroll, merge it with Funimation, and then not try to restrict yeah. uh, as much as possible the content from appearing on any competitor's yeah. service. You know, I gotta yeah. think that's gonna happen more,
0: and more. Which, which again, Netflix, Netflix, Disney, I, and all, all, all these it. companies, everybody does. Yeah. It. It's not, it's not going to be just a Sony thing. Oh no, you know? no. So everybody wants that exclusively because they want to no, make absolutely. sure that you're going just to their platform. That's why, like, what when Disney was ramping up Disney Plus, the reason why they Disney Plus didn't come out sooner was because. Disney, a lot of Disney content was on um, had contracts at other companies, so they wanted to make sure yeah. those contracts were ended, so that way when they launched Disney Plus, it was the only place you could find our content.
1: That's right, that's right. So, it's it's everyone's getting into it now. It's just it's another step in the evolution of how our entertainment is being done. Yeah, I've just I'm hoping when they merge the two services, Kevin, that they nail the UI yeah. for the app because it's not great for either in my opinion i don't think the ui is really great for Crunchyroll or or funimation i would like to see both of them improve so maybe when they combine them it'll work a little bit on that ui (laughs) yeah oh no for
0: sure i think funimation was the one that i I know i used to have the biggest problem on like anytime i try to stream it on playstation or 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 my phone i think they they have been improving here recently because it doesn't it, it uh Funimation has, isn't as slow as it used to be when I first when it first came out. Um, yeah, but it, it would definitely be good to see them actually improve the UI because the UI is definitely a thing that I think every company every company deals with this. Um, is Agreed. the UI? No one. I I don't think especially out of the box has nailed the U, UI for any sort of streaming service. Nope. Um, so again, it's gonna be interesting to see what what we see in terms of. Uh, the platform will be because we don't even know if it's going to be Funimation or Crunchyroll as well like will they carry the f- like Funimation will I'm guessing that Funimation it will be called Funimation because Funimation right. is the known is the better known and that's the better it, known brand and it's and it's also still the brand that they put right. on on every dvd release that's part of like when they put out the production companies as part of the right. credits at the opening it's yeah. always Funimation so yes. I'm guessing it's still going to be called Funimation because that's the known yeah. property for especially in the anime community mm-hmm. Um Crunchyroll is known but again that, that was What Time Warner owned and Funimation is the Sony
1: property. (laughs) So Funimation is better known abroad outside of America too. Yeah,
0: yeah. So again, I I do think that it'll probably still be called Funimation. It'll just be Funimation uh, 2.0, whatever the rebranding will be. So
1: it could be called Funimation. Ready for this Funimation Plus? There you go. So every other screen throws out. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Oh my god it's going yeah it's going to be very interesting because again like i said i think the biggest thing is just that we're in a content war right now um yeah. everybody is buy, uh, bidding for for more content on their platforms and it'll be i'll be most interested to see how this not only changes um the content that is but how often we get translations because we've seen that yep. they there's a lot of dubbing going on and usually they wait about 4 or 5 episodes um that have aired in Japan to start dubbing mm-hmm. it I wonder if that's going to increase their WNR because the other thing that you have to uh, recognize is that even though these two companies are merging, that also does mean that Sony may cut some jobs at Crunchyroll because they say oh, like, we already have our own yes. marketing company. We have our own yes. translation company. We're going to yes. bring some people in from you guys. Um, because again, that's just the, the nature of mergers. Like not everyone's going A to keep their job again. Unfor- unfortunately, unfortunately yeah. that that all happens in every merger even though they do yeah. ta- try and talk positively about like, oh, yeah, we're bringing everybody in and all that stuff that's yeah. in the business world. That's not how it works. So it's going to be interesting to see if it, how, how many people are brought in from Crunchyroll. And if they do also keep up the production because um, that Crunchyroll was doing because they were before this Crunchyroll was actually creating their own animes. Um, like I, I mentioned, the God of High School is one of them. And they were actually yep. in the in yep. the game. That was the next thing. Next evolution of Crunchyroll before this uh, acquisition was for them to right. produce their own animes. They were teaming up with Webtoons a lot, from what I noticed, yeah. uh, to produce I, exclusive anime. So I wonder if that might continue, if, if Sony will be like, oh, yeah, we want to continue that, or are they going? is that going to be nixed?
1: I could, you never know for sure. My gut is telling me Sony's going to nix it. Yeah. But yeah. it could surprise me. Yeah. And, and
0: that, that could also be, like again, to be uh, maybe positive, maybe World gets rolled out into a production company. Like that, that could be that 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 could be it because we have like Anime Plex and all these other companies that you mentioned that are owned by Sony that are kept by Sony in terms of being part of the Funimation parent. So um, we could Mm -hmm. see that maybe Crunchyroll will be like like spin off into a production company for creating like anime that's here in the United States that they go to all these companies like Suisha and Kodansha say hey we could produce the anime for you guys. Um, So we could see that, but again, that's just theory and we can't. No, until the um acquisition fully goes through um in terms of payment and all that stuff and then when the the platforms end up merging so we'll we'll see that again it's exciting future and see what the anime industry will look like um moving forward from here on out um so again that's covering all the news that we uh for for this for this episode and we're going to end things with talking about sakamoto days a, a manga i know that rock has been recommending to me for a while now so we are going to be talking about the uh, chapters one through 18 in this episode, um, just to do, it's, that takes up the first three story arcs and again a good introduction for this manga I thought when I was reading it so I, so Rock is going to join me for this to talk about Sakamoto days and what we thought about it so for those that might not know this is a series written and illustrated by Yutu Suzuki um, and Suzuki's um, background a little bit before before working on Sakamoto Days, uh, he worked on a, a one shot that was called Garaku, um, which was on Jump Plus and it actually gained 590 view, views in the first week of it being published. Um, and then after this one shot of Garaku, uh, he, uh, Suzuki also published um, another manga uh, one shot titled uh, Locker Room, which is uh, was also critically acclaimed and received actually a live action drama. Um, so again, he did some successful work before working on Sakamoto Days. He also worked on a one shot that was uh, what Sakamoto Days was based on that was just titled Sakamoto um, and which we see a lot when it comes to these mangas that there's always like these zero issues of, um, of mangas that kind of give you the concept of what it is. And then they, they make some changes when it comes to the actual first chapter release so based on editor feedback, on fan feedback of what works, what characters actually... uh, fans gravitated to and then they'll release a new chapter that's actually the official first chapter that takes all those feed all that feedback into making what the actual manga will be um and with sakamoto days there's really four four main characters i would say um the first being taru sakamoto the um the title character for sakamoto days and who um is a retired hitman um who was actually previously known as the greatest assassin in the world Um, and feared by everybody and also revered by everybody um, in in the assassin world and but he actually ended up quitting his life as a hitman because he met um, Aoi who turns out to be his wife um, in the future and Aoi actually tells him you should need to give up being a hitman so he decides he loves his what loves her so much he decides to leave that all behind and retires as a hitman and ends up running a convenience store and he just ends up getting fat so after being this incredibly in shape attractive uh young blonde man young blonde man he turns into a life of being a father and he just is a very fat chubby man that does not look like the world's greatest assassin at all so that that is our our main character uh rock what do you think of taru sakamoto as a character overall
1: i absolutely adore this character i think he is awesome he is such a great comedy action character and it's it's hard to do comedy action character really well sometimes you know the mager will will lean too much in one direction They'll, they're they're really more of a just an action character who's kind of plopped in the middle of a comedy but he's not really funny or they're too comedic to the point where you're like how is this ever a character that anyone was afraid of or took seriously. I think Suzuki threads the needle perfectly with Sakamoto. He 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 is funny. He's not like waha ha, ha waka 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 funny with the jokes. He is a bit more of a straight man, but he's got that sly humor to him the sly deadpan humor that does make you laugh no doubt
0: yeah i think and what's he, i think what's used a lot in this uh especially in these 18 chapters is anytime he likes like shin or uh, other characters are talking you just see him eating ramen or see, stuffing his face yes. and that's a lot of the comedy of his character and then you see yes. especially with shin who we'll talk about in a sec sees the intern his what he's actually thinking of like actually yes. the, his killing his killing intent but then he's just casually eating yes. raw like a cup yes. of ramen and stuff so that that's always good
1: Absolutely and that's that sh- the 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 conflict between what is going on in Sakamoto's mind as a retired hitman. he immediately goes to killing everything and anything, but he never but he doesn't because he has the rule of no killing, right? No killing. that's because of his wife. And so what he do, what he's actually does in reality is totally different. It's very good comedy. Sakamoto he manages to remain funny yet incredibly cool an incredibly badass. I love that Suzuki has him being this fat guy because he because he's still a total badass and can do things that I mean we never touch it's never said you know outright but it's clear that Sakamoto is written as superhuman. I mean that's obvious the things he does are Clearly superhuman, though that we never talk about him having superhuman powers. He obviously does have them, and so it's the it's the dichotomy of this dad bod dude eating all the time who has these amazing ability, uh, superhuman abilities, and being totally badass. It is just a wonderful mixture. It is it makes him such a highly entertaining character and a character that I think the reader bonds with quickly and becomes very captivated with in short order. At least I know I did.
0: Yeah. And I think this is also speaking to another like trend that we are having uh, with these manga that um, like the main character isn't necessarily sometimes the most interesting, which I do think that Taru is like very extremely interesting because he had actually given dialogue. He's actually given a personality when, especially in his internal um, mind, yep. um, but he's also just a vehicle for the rest of the characters to be the bigger, yes. l- bigger larger than life characters, really, um, I yep. feel like, and I think we saw that with uh, with our the recent uh, Might of Magic that we, we just we, we just reviewed that the main character there, he's actually more of a vehicle for all the other characters to kind of, their personalities to shine more than the main character, and I feel like yeah. Toru kind of fits into that mode that we're seeing with even, like, One Punch Man as well, like, the same thing with yes. One Punch Man, like, Saitomo is not the most interesting character. He's uh, like super powerful and everything and the main character of the show, but it's really the characters around him that make the world actually interesting and the character interesting because all the other characters are almost to the extreme and uh, a personality. And that just makes Toru stand out more because he's just kind of almost like a normal guy, really, at the end of the day. And then obviously he gets into the super nat- supernatural things of like, does he have superhuman abilities with like what we see? But in terms of just his overall look he's very very plain looking bad bod too yes um so it's like so it feels like he's another one of these characters we're seeing a lot in these uh shonen jumps that is not like naruto or luffy we see in no series where they're the larger than life characters he's not very much the larger than life character until he gets into the action until like the action breaks up that's when we see him becoming the larger than life
1: you're right and i like i i wasn't thinking about it but i'm but i'm glad you Brought it up because it is very much like Mash Deadburn from Mashal, yeah, Magic and Muscles. He's very much yeah. like that. Obviously, superhuman. Obviously, the stud yeah. fighter. But super, he's definitely the straight man, and yeah. everyone around him is way more outrageous. And that is true. Everybody around Sakamoto is way, way more over the top. Good guy and bad guy. Everyone around him is mm-hmm. way more flamboyant. Way more over the top. And I, I like that approach. And I like the approach that yeah. he, he is, he. It's the, the charm of Sakamoto is that he is so resolutely common. He is, yeah. he is, he is your average dad. Like he's gone from this amazing badass hitman to becoming the, the most, the most stereotypical average dad doing those dad things. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And which gets <laughs> into our like next character that uh, for this series, uh, his name is Shin. We don't have a last name for him. And he's another exit man who used to be actually Taru's partner, and he's really I would say the secondary uh, protagonist of the series. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because we meet him right in the first chapter, um, and he's actually hired to kill him, uh, kill uh, Taru because Taru left the assassin game um, and uh, the, le- left the Yakuza. So Shin gets hired to kill him, but he gets so enamored with uh, Taru's not just personality but skills and everything that he just yeah. decides to quit as well and. <sighs> joins Taru working at the convenience store and uh, kind of bouncing off. And the, Shin is more of the lively character that you would let we, oh, yeah. we're more familiar with. Again, very opposite of Taru is more calm demeanor the entire time. Um, so Shin is, Shin is very much the over exaggerated character. So what do you think of Shin as like kind of the secondary protagonist of this series?
1: uh adore Shin. I think he is fantastic. He very much. He gets as almost as much of the spotlight as sakamoto if not more at times he is he is i would say sometimes shin almost steps in as the main character at points even though sakamoto is obviously the titular character and, and 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 at the end the star but shin is huge i love his power he's able to read people's minds and what I like is Suzuki uses that power in a manner that I don't think I've ever seen someone use the power of to read people's mind. It's, he does it, he uses it in an offensive and defensive way to augment his fighting. Because if you're fighting him, he can read your mind and know what move you're going to make before you make it. And if you're a threat to him, he can read your mind as kind of a spider sense, right? To alert himself to a threat before it even happens. So I think that his powers are used of, you know, read people's minds, sounds kind of boring, but Suzuki uses it in a really creative way that makes him, Shin, a more threatening and skilled fighter, which makes his character more interesting. And of course, he his, you're right, his personality is way more outrageous. He provides a lot of the comedy and a lot of the outrageousness He is the wackiness around Sakamoto's very staid personality. Uh, The chemistry, Kevin, between Sakamoto and Shin, I think Suzuki does an awesome job. The two characters play off each other so well, and the running gag—the running gag—what I like is because Shin can read minds, Sakamoto doesn't have to talk to Shin. He he only talks to Shin by thinking which i think is great because it makes sakamoto even lazier <laughs> he's such a lazy yeah. dad that he can't actually form the words he well, just has at, to thank them
0: <laughs> at, well at the beginning because taru also doesn't talk until like until he until his wife comes around i almost yes. thought that taru was mute because of it because because <laughs> we're only experiencing it through that and you're like he's so lazy he just doesn't even put in <laughs> the effort to talk really and he only like the only time you'd see taru talk is when he like Aoi is like involved and he's like yes. yes my wife's here i love her so right. much i want to talk to her or like with hannah as well like his daughter um but, yes. but yeah it's uh it's interesting to see like their dynamic because yeah you're right like with shin almost his entire interaction is anytime just talking through like through his mind so yes. um and, it, I, and I, it, so,
1: the other long-running joke is that it, it, that is that uh secular keeps imagining like when shin is annoying him he keeps imagining killing him and she's yeah. like hey why
0: don't you just imagine killing yeah. me again <laughs> yeah like stabbing him with a pencil and all this stuff or, <laughs> like in the neck so, but but yeah it's I, I think shin is a great character and he's also the character i would say we experience the world through as well like he's actually Absolutely. the character that we he's almost our eyes and ears of the world instead of taru yes. um which which is great and i think that especially with you're totally right with the telepath powers because anytime we see what uh, any sort of telepath in a manga or a comic book. They're usually not even a fighter. Um, they're, no, usually, passive. They're, 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 they're usually the passive. They're the background, not the background character, but the characters that do a lot of the fighting in the back because um, yep. they always have like a supplementary energy power or something like that to help out. Yep. Um, so it's interesting that we have a character that has the telepath power and is also a great fighter because we don't yes. normally see that happen. I think the only mm-hmm. character that kind of fits that mold, but it's a telepath really is like Cassandra Cain, um, who, oh, who, who fought right. like, but like knowing body language and stuff like that. Right, and he and kind of Shin fights kind of like Cassandra Kane, where she, like yep. he reads, he reads people, but he reads people's minds instead of reading like where Cassandra Cain reads body language, he yep. reads, um, he reads people's minds, and I think he kind of reminds me of that fighting style that that uh, um, Cassandra Cain's Batgirl did. Um, and <laughs> again, I really enjoy that character. Again, it's a different type of character when it comes to these telepath powers, and again, it's just fun seeing the dynamic between Taru and uh, Shin because their dynamic is so different from especially like with getting into our next character of Aoi Sakamoto, which, who is, uh, Taro's wife. Um, and she's actually the person that convinced Taro to, uh, leave the world of Hitman because she specifically told him, Hey, you know what? I do not like, like blood. I do not like you killing people. I do not <laughs> like that concept at all. So if we're going to be together, you have to give up that life. And Taro is so in love with her that she's like, totally, I'm going to give it up. And it kind of creates an interesting comedy especially which when shin is introduced and brings the assassin world back into taru's life that taru really tries hard to hide that shin is an assassin or that the assassins are coming after him and stuff like that because he is very much scared of his wife like kind of yes. like almost like goku and Chi like goku being scared of chi chi and dragon ball yes. but yes. Um, but it's because he loves aoi so much that he's like I don't want to lose this. I don't want to be divorced because like Aoi specifically tells him that if I find out that you're killing people or you're back to the hitman world, we're getting the divorce. And yes. he's like, he's terrified. That's the only thing that Tar really is scared of is being, yes. uh, Aoi asking to be divorced, like for the divorce. Yep. Um. So that it, it creates an interest in them because again, she's not like the angry wife really that we see a, no, a lot. She's, but she's like, she's, she's very sweet and everything. And she's like, you kind of understand that you don't want your husband yep. to be out killing people like no. you don't that. You don't that. especially <laughs> because they especially they, especially because they have hannah like they have a daughter right. together it's like of course you don't want your uh, husband bringing in the world of like the assassins to to your home like again that i think that's what the strength of this series is that they do it in an uh, ali's personality in an understandable way where it's not she's not yes. annoying like we see with no uh, whenever like character they try to make the wife sometimes the other antagonist, sometimes in these type of... They characters. do. Um, uh, somebody that gets in the way of the fun, but that's yes. not what... I don't think that Aoi is that type of character. She's oh. more she's more just like, you understand her character the entire time. You understand why she would be like, look what just happened. You killed a yep. bunch of people or you hurt a lot of people. Why would I want this, want her, this alive for myself and our daughter? And like, right. I think they, Suzuki does a good job of making sure you understand her character. So she's part of the fun and she's not interfering, like making you feel like
1: she's getting in the way of, of things. No, I completely agree. Uh, Aoi. Is that how you say your name? Aoi. Uh, oh yeah. I believe may, maybe so. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm go <laughs> Sometimes <that>. I, <laughs> if I'm saying it wrong, I'm saying it wrong. Aoi. She's, she's very sweet and you put your finger on it. And I'm very glad that Suzuki took this pass path with Aoi's character because you're right. Often, these this the, this type of wife character is comes across like a a scolding nanny mm-hmm. and that's not enjoyable to the reader and yeah. it's it's yeah. it it's she's instead Allie is very very sweet she's very loving she's very fun she likes to have a good time so that makes her way more likable to the reader. And her Sakamoto family rules. They're basic rules, Kevin, that we should all follow. No killing, no stealing, no lying. These are basic rules, Kevin. <laughs> but of course, when you when you when you marry a hitman, you need these rules, right? So that's part of the comedy, though. But Aoi is a very likable character. She's obviously plays a much smaller role than the, the other three of the four that we're talking about here. She plays a smaller role and a lot of her role is there to help um, provide the reason why Sakamoto's changed his ways to humanize him. And she's also there to interject a little sweetness and romance when the story calls for it. And she's also there to be the, uh, 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 she's the target, Right. She's the target. She she's quite often the the target that Sakamoto has to save or prevent harm from happening to.
0: Yeah, and I I think just just for me, like because it's not even I think manga and comic books too, but we see this like with sitcoms a lot, like with yeah, the wife oh, like with sitcoms oh. all the time, um, which yes. is why we even have like a, um, I think a TMC made made us a sitcom, uh, like parodying sitcoms recently, um, but about this is that the wife character is always seen as like the annoying one as the one that gets like I said in in the way of fun and it's just refreshing to get a character like Aoi that she's not she's not that at all she's uh she's just a normal person in this world and really like you said like her Sakamoto family rules is just rules that you would abide by and you understand why she would make it like obviously no killing no no like no hurting people and like and and no lying to us that like that's <laughs> like a healthy relationship. Of course, you shouldn't lie in a, in a relationship. Like w- once you start, once you get caught in lies, that's usually what leads to divorces and all that stuff. That's so, right. So it's that's like right. You under totally understand her point of view and like yeah yeah. Um, and Taru just being so in love with her like and saying you're being like, it, he's not scared because of what she could do like the divorce, but it's because he's afraid of to lose that love. And I think that that's right. What it gets across is that he loves her yes. so much that he is willing to give up the life of a hitman that. That's right. And, and I think that, that it's important that like they frame it that way instead of being yes. just scared of his wife because she's angry and mean. It's more that he's afraid to that's lose right. the love of his life like that. That's really like at the end of the day, that's what he's most scared. Like all these guns that are shooting his way, all these knives <laughs> that are thrown and all this stuff. They never scare I, him. That doesn't scare him. What scares yeah. him is lo- losing the love of his life. That, that's really yep. Yep. that's the that's his only fear in life, like losing the love of his life and losing also his his daughter to another boy. Um, but yes. that's another that's, that we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a different story. Um, but but yeah, so that it, it again, I just like that they frame it that way. Is that again, mm-hmm. you you would totally understand why he would fall for her. You would understand yeah. why, de- why why they're a couple and everything. And yep. that's great. And and again, the, tar, um, Taru Shin and Aoi are the first ones that the first three characters that really, really get introduced in the first chapter. And then we do in chapter four of in chapter four of this series. We get introduced to the final main character i would say of this uh series especially in these first 18 chapters which is Liu zian Tang, who's the daughter of a triad family um and she actually ends up working at the uh, sakamoto <laughs> family uh convenience store because she, she uh sees uh taro's abilities and everything and she just decides to join the family and she is just part of the sakamoto another the final member of the sakamoto family that makes yep uh, of the whole dynamic that we get of the four main characters like four really main characters of the series what do you think of uh, Lou's uh, dynamic with everybody?
1: I love Lou's character and the magic of Lou. I, this is going to sound like I'd I belittle a character and I'm not. This is a compliment to her character. What is so great about Lou, again, Suzuki's taking very common manga character tropes and kind of flipping them. He does that with Sakamoto himself, right? Like we said, kind of like how... You see, you see, uh, with uh, uh, Mashal, and uh, he's he's not your prototypical shonen manga protagonist, right? Well, Lou is not your prototypical shonen manga female psychic character. Normally, the female psychic character in a shonen manga is very, very uh, in command, right? Very serious, very mature. Very skilled, very on top of it, right? I just laying down the law to your stupid, spazzy protagonist that's always messing up and getting in trouble. That is not the case with Lou. She's an idiot. Well, she's not, she is goofy, she is a spaz. She is (laughs) not at all what you would consider a competent and mature person. But that's why you like her, because she's uh Hilarious. I think she is an absolute hoot. I love her to death. And what's great about her, this is this, I guess, this is the best example of the kind of character she is, Kevin. So she's not that great of a fighter until she drinks. Because why, Kevin? Her fighting style is drunken style. Duh. Come on, that's great. I just think that's hilarious because it fits her character so well. She's just kind of goofy, ditzy, silly. She's immediately likable, like a big Labrador Retriever, right? She's fun. I she's just a great character. I just love Lou. I think every time she shows up, she brings a lot of good comedy with her, and gets a lot of good lines, and gets the reader laughing at all times.
0: Yeah, and I I think Lou I, I does comp- feel like she completes the family dynamic that Sakamoto um, the um days is going for with with these four characters and when especially when you include hana who's even a more minor character because she's the daughter of Aoi right and, and uh tara so you don't see much of her but again just completing the family dynamic with Lou of but yeah you're right she's a little bit ditzy but i'm glad that she's not like um a love interest sh- she's not portrayed as a love interest to nope. shin or she's not portrayed as yeah. like a damsel in distress she is very yep. much Like even though she's not competent when she's not drunk, uh, when it (laughs) comes to fighting, well, as soon as she is, and you feel like she is good backup for uh, Taru and Shin, she's going to be on kind of almost. I like that she is, even though they they kind of do treat her as a comedic character throughout. Like once the fighting breaks out, she's standing side by side with Shin and and Taru. Like she's on that equal playing field. They're not. They don't see her when, especially when fights break out, that she's in the way. Like I'm glad they don't treat her like she's in the way. Or like that, they, they need to get her drunk just so that she uh, <laughs> joined them in the fight. Like they're like they right. trust her enough to be like join them when they go fight like an army of assassins. They're she's right. with them. Like so there's at least enough trust with the character, even though she might not she might need to get drunk to to be a <laughs> badass fighter that, that um especially Taru is. Um but again, like I'm I'm glad that like at least they don't treat her as a damsel of distress until she gets drunk. Like that that's the one thing yeah. that I was uh, oh, yeah, I was yeah. I was worried about it when she was first introduced that that's how she would be treated uh-huh. is that like that character that would get in trouble that Shin and Taru would need to save. But I'm glad that like Suzuki does not, it goes away from that very quickly. Uh, yeah. Not treating her that way. And again, she adds to the fun of this and uh, of yes. the cast of the series of like, she brings another like, whereas Taru is a, a silent mute and Shin is kind of overreacting to everything Taru does. Lou is kind of that middle ground of those two characters where she gets. And again, that, that's, provides her own fun for the dynamic of the, the sakamoto family that we have here and i like her reactions to like the sakamoto family rules that aoi gives and everything and she's very much treated as like taro and aoi's daughter yeah so and, and yeah. again i'm glad that she's not like a love interest or a damsel in distress like i said um and which again again those are our four main characters and um so let's get into um and we try to avoid spoilers there we're going to start getting into spoilers now with um with the three arcs that we're going to be talking about, which make up the first 18 chapters of Sakamoto Day. So again, that was our kind of overall thoughts on the characters and kind of the world. Um, so um, so we're going to start getting into a little bit more spoilery territory now with the introduction arc of, that takes up chapters one through six. Um, and this is where we get introduced to the four characters. Like I said, in the first chapter, we get introduced to uh, Taro, Shin and Aoi and Hana as well. Um, Taro and Aoi's daughter, like I mentioned previously, and we in this in the first chapter, that's where we learned that Taro is a retired hitman. He used to be known as the best hitman in the world. Shin comes after him because he gets hired by the Yakuza that um, he works for that um, Taro used to be a part of that they want to take him out because again, he's too valuable to have out in the world that he might expose they're afraid that he might expose something or whatever he's just too dangerous to have out there they hire Shin. Shin goes to meet Taro but he gets so enamored by Taro's personality that he's like, I can't do it. I can't kill him obviously he could probably kill me before I kill him because I see outside in my mind. Um, but he also gets an hour by person personality. He's like, I can't do it. He goes back to the Yakuza that hired him to kill Taru and he tells them. And then that's when a fight breaks out there. And while Shin is able to hold his own, he does get overwhelmed by the numbers. And that, uh, that, that is until Taru shows up and just kicks the, and kicks everybody's ass there and like helps Shin and just tell Shin, Hey, you know what? after, they defeat all the Yakuza members that are, uh, Taro says, hey, you can leave the world of Hitman and come work at the convenience store. And Shin just takes up, takes them up and offer that really makes up the first chapter of this um, manga. And from there, we kind of like for the rest of the next five chapters, we, we get a lot of like one-shot stories of like kind of just getting used to the family dynamic where like we're um, getting more into the Sakamoto rules of Taro not killing or or, um, or hurting people there is one exception and that is when it comes to saving his wife and we get that with uh, when Aoi it gets uh, on a bus where after shopping and everything, her bus gets hijacked and, um, and um, Aoi is not concerned at all that her bus got hijacked because she knows that her husband is going to save her. And that's kind of where we learned that, that this is kind of the only time that during their marriage that especially Taru has activated his sitman mode where he has saved her a couple of times. And, and then, like, like almost like a spider sense. Taro shows up there. He knows that she's in danger, and just they, he and Shin put on some masks and defeat all the people, the the, the criminals hijacking the the bus and save. Yeah, Kevin. He stops the bus. He yeah. stops a speeding bus with a
1: street sign.
0: Yep. And again, <laughs> kind of getting into like what, what Rock said previously that we like as each chapter goes along, we kind of learn that Taro does have some supernatural abilities. Again, it's not. made made look to look like or at least the characters don't say that he has like superhuman powers or whatever but right he he is he does obviously have some superhuman (laughs) strength he has super like (laughs) agility and stuff like that and just his movements around um how he moves around um and this is kind of where because he was a masked as well there's news reports that a masked fighter stopped the hijacking this is where we meet an uh, officer nakasa um who decides to That Sakamoto fits the description of this guy. That she go, she tries to figure out who it is, but she can't. And it, this is where we, and we also learn that Sakamoto also has a new, another form, goes back to his regular, skinny, tall form. Um, Oh, that was.
1: Were you not shocked when that happened? Yeah, yeah, I was
0: blown away. Yeah, was not expecting that at all. Um, And again, we kind of, this is a teaser of what we would get in the next story arc, but we we see that he does like. It seems like when he exerts a lot of calories or whatever, um, yeah. he ends up going back to a skinny, tall form that you, you see in the flashbacks with a- when a- he and Aoi f- fell in love and when he was the best hitman and in the he, world.
1: He loses his tiny little mustache, too. Yeah.
0: So it, it almost it kind of looks like he takes a completely different, like I said, a completely different form. And then from there, we um, get also introduced to Lou- on Tang, um, and she's the final member that joins the family. Uh, again, she gets into some trouble that Taru and, and Shin help her out through, and she gets she becomes an employee of the Sakamoto um, supermarket. And then at the end of Chapter 6, uh, one of Taru's friends, uh, who's another hitman, one of the actually elite hitmen of, of this world, um, his name is Naga- Nagamo. And after some like uh, some weird discussions where Nagamo looks like he's going to kill Shin and and Lu and they get and we get a lot of comedic beats in terms of this because Nagamo even though he is one of the best assassins in the world he kind of is more silly a little bit and he does mm-hmm. get in on the fun and stuff uh, and does uh, do a get get on Shin and Lu to like think that he's gonna do something but he does it and then that treats it as a joke but at the end of this chapter we also learn that because people know that taro is out in the world that he actually has a billion yen. Uh, bounty on his head and that's kind of where we finish off this introduction with that reveal of taru having this um uh billion dollar yen bounty on his head so rock what did you think of these initial six chapters that kind of set up this entire world and what the main conflict of specifically these three uh story arcs um have have around it
1: so when i first started reading sakamoto days you read the first six chapters and i'm just like this is such a surprising manga. I was not expecting what Suzuki delivered. All the characters are cool. The world is is really interesting because it is set in the most common place possible, a convenience store. And it is the most common convenience store. It looks like this small, kind of run-down convenience store in the like middle. A like a 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of kind of like the rundown part of town, you know what I mean? It's just so common. It's but that's the world you're set in, and that nicely contrasts with the insanely over the top villains in the different hitmans that come to try to kill Sakamoto and the action that we get. I like that for the chapters one through six. I actually really like the approach that Suzuki took of not having a long story arc to kick off this title. I dig that he went really more with the uh, one shot or two part uh, story arcs instead in these first six chapters. That was a really cool way. I I, I like that because what was so neat about it is it allowed him to really focus on introducing the reader to this world, introducing the reader to the various characters, to their relations with each other and assembling all the characters because we have to assemble our our cast of four in pieces over these first six chapters rather than shoving everyone at us at the beginning or starting kind of like in the middle of the story where we're already got everything going on. It he doles out the world and the characters in nice spoon sized serving samples to the reader. We never feel overwhelmed. It never feels rushed it never feels too complex he nicely logically assembles the cast and starts to build out this world he really does it in a logical baby step fashion which is quite enjoyable it eases the reader into this world i thought in a really a really enjoyable way and so i like the format of the one shot and two story two part story approach for these first six chapters i think that suzuki clearly establishes kevin in the beginning i mean it takes no time he does it in the first chapter you know what you're going to get you're going to get comedy first this is definitely an action manga no doubt it's it's action comedy i would call it comedy action because comedy is really number one action being number two even though they're very i mean they're very close to each other in in terms of importance but i would probably tip the scales slightly to comedy with this title, if you're, if you force me to pick one, but we get good comedy in the opening chapter as the chapters progress, Kevin, as we get to chapters three, four, and five, three, four, and five to me is really where Suzuki flexes his muscles with the action scenes in chapters three, four, and five. That's where we see, oh my God, because the chapters one and two, it's a lot of comedy, not a lot of action. The little action we get isn't too over the top. With three, four, and five, those chapters, the the action, Kevin, is intense. It's insane. It's bonkers. It's over the top. And that's when the reader first goes, wait a minute. Is Sakamoto superhuman? Is he superhuman? And then you see him do the transformation back to his hitman form, slender, no mustache, hitman form. And you're like, whoa, what is going on? I think Suzuki's very sly. He kind of sucker punches the reader because you don't see this coming, Kevin. At least I didn't. Okay, I didn't see it coming after reading the first two chapters. I didn't see that kind of action, those kind of superhuman abilities, or that kind of physical change coming at all. So, and then of course, even after getting that badass action and the badass transformation to his Hitman form, what do you get? Immediately get some comedy as you transition out of chapter five into six with Sakamoto gaining all of his weight in a day just from eating yeah. food <laughs> it's just and the character should be being like what the heck just happened <laughs> he, he's fat again
0: <laughs> yeah and, and again it, so, i think there's this chapter uh, these six chapters i think do a very good job of just world building i think that that's the big thing is that world building yep. and cast building um obviously like with the first chapter it does get 55 pages for um just for everybody to to recognize so it does get like right. double the page count so that it really is kind of to chapter in one which is a normal thing when we get first chapters of an ongoing manga series anytime a manga series is given um uh like ongoing status it does normal like its first chapter normally is like like 40 to 50 pages long and this Mm -hmm. one was 55 pages um so again he was able to fit a lot into it of what action getting into the world building um and again i I like that after after that first chapter kind of like what you said rock was that we get a lot of just one shots. it's just a lot of one yeah. one chapter stories yep. that he's not like doesn't move into another uh, uh, the next big story arc being five chapters long. It's just hey let's get one cha- one chapter at a time telling a full story or it, whether it's Taru and Shin saving Aoi from from a hijacking out on a bus or or just um, uh, Taru just invade evading the like the cop that comes after him yep. or just meeting Lou as well. Yep. Again, it's just a li- like a quick, quick stories that just gives us a better view of this entire world where you're totally right, where the, the world itself is treated as normal. And then yeah. like even the actions that Taru and Shin take is almost treated as normal as well. Even like mm-hmm. the bus hijacking, even though like we have the officer in the casa that wants to find out who the people that stop there. She doesn't want to find out because these people are, are have supernatural abilities. She's just like, who are these right. people? So it just right. almost does feel like all, like the world of the hitman. Um and all these super, super uh, natural people are, is kind of normal to this world. And I like that you don't get beaten over the head with like people being surprised of these actions. It's just part of the story. So you get a, yeah. it. it's a lot of context clues that you're working off of. And yep. so it's like trusting the reader enough to understand that, that like there's a, that these people aren't overreacting to like Sakamoto or Shin coming in and like beating everybody up. It's kind of almost a natural part of this world. And that's kind of, I, I like that, that it's, um, Suzuki just trusting the reader to understand that this is this is how the world works. Like Sakamoto mm-hmm. could walk down the street, uh, like on, on a normal day, just interacting with people like you would on uh, on your normal day, or yep. he could be a total badass, save a hijacking, yeah. and like the biggest news story is like who is actually the person, not why this happened or whatever, or like there's this supernatural person, so we have to go after and arrest them.
1: Agreed, agreed. I think I think that's great. I, I think also the the one shot format for these first six chapters also is a good way of advertising to the reader what they can expect. Like, hey, this is, the, this is the kind of story you can expect. These are the kind of characters you can expect. And let me give you some nice, fully fully condensed, fully contained stories so you can see what you can get on this title. And then at, now that you understand what I'm going to deliver on a on a weekly basis, I'll start to expand out to the longer story arcs.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that that's why with Chapter 6, I'm glad that that's where we really get established more into the long-term aspect of yep. what this entire series is going to be about with Nagamo introducing the um, yes. to, um, the billion-dollar yen uh, bounty that's on Taro's head. I think that it's good that we didn't get that until Chapter 6, so that way we could just focus on the first five chapters was just about the Taro family dynamic, getting into like the world-building aspect of the series, and then... Chapter six just punched you in the gut with the uh, actual big sto- story of this entire series of the bounty that's on Taro's head, and now we got a f- we're left questioning, hey, how is he going to get out of this? Because he does have the Sakamoto family rules where he can't kill people, but now the entire assassin world is coming after him, so it's going to be very tough. And like you're, you are left at the end of chapter six wondering how that's going to like interfere with like Sakamoto's peaceful family life that he try he wants to have with with Aoi and Hannah.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Chapter six is the if you want to ask me where's the the real beginning in air quotes the real beginning of this manga, it is chapter six. Chapters one through five is all introduction to the world and the characters. Chapter six, Kevin, that that is the foundation for the story on this title all the way up to the most recent chapter of that you know I'm reading the whole, I've already read the most recent chapter thirty four. Chapter six, that is the foundation for everything going forward all the way to the most current chapter. So really, if you want to look at the, the the real beginning, it's chapter six. That's a super important chapter where it's kind of like Suzuki's like, okay, guys, y'all got a flavor for what's going on here? Cool. You ready now for the story to get going? Got it. Here it is. Now you know what this guy is. How is he going to get around not killing people? How is he going to, he going to be able to save his family and dealing with this Japanese... Assassin Association coming after him on a daily basis, and you don't know where, when, how. Go and 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 they end, and Suzuki ends chapter six with that with that tension, that question in the reader's mind. Because what happens after being told that there's a bounty on his head, the Japanese assassins are coming after him, right? That that's now the that this is now the hook, the gimmick for this manga title. What do they do? And I always like, hey, we got to take uh, our daughter off to the uh, to the fair and have some fun at the fair. And he's like, I just found out that we're going to be a uh, target of all these assassins. How am I going to take my family to the fair and protect them? End of chapter. So it's a really good way to show you. This is what we're going to go for and see this, this is how it's going to affect his family life.
0: Yeah. And which get, gets us uh, perfectly into the next story arc, which is uh, chapter 7 through 13 is the Sugar Park arc, which is where... <laughs> That we can really get the first we get the first story where it's the entire Sakamoto family with Taru, Shin, Aoi, Hannah, and, and Lou all going to basically an amusement park. And in this entire time, uh, uh Taru, Shin and and Lou, are, while they're trying to make sure that Hannah and uh, Ali are having fun, they also are trying to make sure that they don't find out that there is the bounty on their head. So they are yes. trying to take out assassins as they come along, whether it's like at a haunted house where Taro is yes. like using the haunted house to take out assassins or is it on top of a roller coaster where Shin is fighting off <laughs> another assassin and Lou is elsewhere in the park <laughs> fighting assassins. So you get a lot of like, this is a very action heavy arc, but it's still like kind of what you said is going into the comedy aspect. And this is where, We really also get, we saw in the first um, um, introduction arc of like Sakamoto's skinny form, but this is where we really see um, Taro Sakamoto's um, skinny form in full action because like, again, things break down so hard that he actually ends up pulling out like, like burning a lot of calories because he's fighting all over the park and then he goes back into skinny form and we just see like how really this is uh, Sakamoto at his full power. Um, And then by the end of it, we get it also introduced to the Do- Don De Kai, um, which is a big, big group that's after him that put this billion dollar bounty on his head and everything. So, again, we get a lot and it's a very action heavy arc, but again, still feed it into the comedy. What did you think of this, uh, the Sugar Park arc?
1: I The Sugar Park arc was awesome. I thought it was fantastic. The s- situation that Suzuki puts, sh- Chin and sakamoto and you in where they have to protect sakamoto's family without them knowing that there are assassins going on them that's that's always just rife for entertainment and comedy it's kind of like the the most recent uh, chapter uh, the most recent story arc over in spy x family that we're reviewing where yeah. they they can't let on to the secret of what's going on yeah you, yeah so that kind of scenario where your heroes have to protect someone, but no one can find out about it, is just rife for entertainment. It just is, and this is no exception. It's just so fun to watch our heroes have to fight off these various assassins. And we get some pretty cool assassins, too. I, I dig the, the two the two main ones of uh, hard-boiled uh, assassin and boiled. He's super Super duper hard boiled, always tough, always cool talking, <laughs> right? And his female counterpart, Obaguro, who totally gets turned on by hard boiled. The more hard boiled he talks, the more turned on she gets by him. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hilarious, Kevin. These two characters are so funny. And so, and so, and, and so again, you. Suzuki showing how it's not just our main characters are entertaining. It's also these assassins that show up to fight them. that are incredibly entertaining beyond just the good comedy. Again, beyond just the excellent action. And we do get a lot of really intense, awesome action. I think the battle between the one assassin and Shin on the roller coaster might be my favorite. That was really cool moment some big moments in that action scene. But all the action is really, really creative, I think, first of all, and exciting and big, big action moments. So even though the action and the comedy continue to be aces, what I really like is Suzuki starts to show you the heart of this manga. This isn't just comedy and action. There's a lot of heart to the story, too. And I think it's important that we see we have three different assassins coming after our heroes, in this story arc the first assassin the blonde guy who attacks them on the roller coaster again remember they can't kill right so shinzen ends up defeating him and they the assassin's like you're not going to kill me no no you're good and he's like uh, dumbfounded and kind of turns turns over a new leaf he's like wow well the sakamoto he's a good guy and then we see it again with Hard Boiled uh, uh, boiled and, and Obaguro. Again, they are touched by the compassion and the heart, the good spirit of Sakamoto and Shin and Yu. And they, even though they're defeated, end up being like, you know what, we're not going to come after you anymore either. And so you can kind of see where the, and this is kind of like the, the heart of the story where, suzuki's having our heroes have a positive influence on these assassins who come after them and i know this is a common i know this is a common shonen manga trope right where our good guys defeat the villains and make them and, and redeem the villains at the end right but what i like about it is, is that they don't fully redeem them where these villains then join the team these three villains don't join the team they go on their own way, but they're no longer adversaries. They have grown a little bit. And I like that. I think that's a nice, it's a nice touch. And it shows that our heroes are more than just here to kick butt. They're here to actually make people better through their, their through their, 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 virtues.
0: Yeah. And I think you, you summed it all perfectly. like, just to add, add on to that, I think the fun, fun thing about this is that also like Suzuki just, um, flexing his art, art style too like with yes. with uh while shin and lu are able to break off from the family like too, so that they could deal with the assassins that's not the same case for taru who is actually trying to spend time with his family and i like that dynamic of like where taru wants to spend time with his family because he loves them so much he wants to spend spend time with aoi and hannah make sure that hannah has the best time possible because yep. she's his daughter and he loves loves her a lot and he's very attached to her um at the same time he has to use the environment around them so that like Sally yes. or Hannah don't find out that he's fighting off assassins. so I think there's a lot of creativity in terms of using environmental in the yep. environment for for the fighting so that that way like when they're in the haunted house Tara is kind of able to get away with more of the like gory aspects of like his fighting style because he's they're in a haunted house so you could be like, oh yeah that, that's all part of the amusement part uh, uh, amusement of the haunted house. So it's like again playing into that um, and, <laughs> and he continuously uses that and just kind of building up Taro's skills and i like that while we see shin and lu are able to just do, do their thing we see them as all their skills because they don't have to be with the family the entire time but they i like that they also have to they still even though they're fighting they, they're still following the family rules of not killing and all this stuff yes. like that and it kind of just shows that lu and shin are really part of the family that they've accepted being part of it it's not right. just like it's not an they don't treat it as the sakamoto family rules as an annoying thing to do it's just like it's a natural right. part of them now they, they've they've grown to be like feel like yes we're, we're part of the sakamoto yeah. family obviously we're going to follow the rules so we're not going to be doing our assassin things of killing people anymore because um, exactly. we, we we still want to be part of the sakamoto family so i like that with shin and lu and then just in terms of taru i like that there's a slow build in terms of he's slowly fighting more and more so that's why he's losing calories and you could kind of see from the yes. artwork too that he's slowly getting skinnier like he's slowly losing weight yes. Um you, yeah. s- you see that and like he's losing his fat form until like he gets into the skinny form and then you find you see him like you do feel like it's almost like a super saiyan transformation of like it just like yes. oh man everybody's in trouble like the, uh, Boyle who's who he's fighting is just like he's going to get his ass kicked. When, and, when
1: he and- ends chapter 11 because Boyle's just beating the daylights out of Sakamoto right? We're just beating the daylights out of him and at the very end of chapter 11 you have all the smoke
0: yeah.
1: billowing yeah. around and sakamoto steps out of it and he's back in his skinny hitman form and he's like he's kind of like you see him kind of like you know cracking the neck like all right time to go all out and you're like oh damn you're so excited for the next chapter <laughs> yeah
0: and, and then i also like that like just in terms of the resolution of this story arc is that we do like the whole thing about the um billion dollar yen um, hit uh bounty on Tarlo's head is not a, a thing that's kept as a big, big thing that they have to keep from Aoi the entire series that by the end of the story, like she finds out yes. and what she's angry, what she's angry about is that not not necessarily that he's back to being a hitman because you, you see that she actually understands why he would have to be returned for hitman. What she gets offended by is that they lie to her about it. Right. And that, that was, right. she, she's like busting out the family rules of like, like she doesn't even show the killing part or anything like that. She shows the, the part of like we, no 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 secrets are kept within this family like you have to you have to be honest and that that's what she's offended by and i like that again just going back to the sakamoto family rules getting in, into more of that that that's what she's angry about is that not that aoi and not that taru and shin and lu were like fighting off these hitmen she's just angry that they didn't tell her so that she wasn't prepared for them to go off and all that stuff and that's what she was angry about
1: yeah agreed uh no i'm i'm actually really glad that Suzuki decided not to keep this a secret that has to that's long running because that can get well. The, the problem is it forces the writer to, into some really contrived situations and scenarios to try to keep the secret going, and often it's not worth the effort. You know, to keep it going that way, it's best that it was secret for a little bit. Now we let the character know, and now we all deal with it. I think that was a very wise move. It it, it alleviates him having to really come up with some contrived ways to keep. Aoi in the dark so i'm glad i'm very glad they did that at the and end of this
0: and it keeps addressing her where she's not like while well, she's not always like the like a main character like shin right uh shin and luar with, along with toru um at least she, she's in on it she's not like she's not treated as a side character when she is around she is treated as a main character and i think that's important to continue establishing while like with hannah like you could play that off because again she's their daughter so she doesn't need to she doesn't need to know what's going on at all. But when Aoi, it th- th- goes back to the whole love that Taru has for her that he is scared to lose her. You know, of, like, and even like, and yes. that plays into one of my like kind of my favorite comedic scenes of this is like Taru is like after the fight he's like, oh crap, I gotta get a shirt because like there's blood co- of like my shirt is covered in blood and stains and all this stuff that Aoi's gonna find out. And then like the shocked face that he has when like when Aoi hears the billion dollar bounty, he's like. That was the only time he shows fear the entire time, even though he's in these life or death yes. situations. Like the thing that scared them the, the most is that Owie found out the, the secret. And he's like, yes. I, I, I messed up. I messed up. God yes. damn it. And like, yes. you see his shocked expression, just like in pure horror of uh, that Owie just found out. It's just like, I, I thought that was like a nice comedic beat and just going back into just bringing back Owie and like, just again, opening things up so that she doesn't have to be in the dark the entire time.
1: Agreed. I, my, my favorite comedy probably came from the fight scene between Obaguru and Lou. I thought that was awesome because remember, Lou she gets drunk so she can do drunken fighting style. But throughout the whole fight, she goes from being a weepy drunk, so then she becomes a tired drunk, and then she becomes a jolly drunk, and then she becomes an angry drunk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and also that uh, Lou who has like she's got like Rapunzel long hair it's super super long and it's in her braid so she uses it as a whip yeah (laughs) kind of against kind of like Bianca Belair which is awesome that fight for me I thought that fight was was fantastic really good and we talked about the story part I want to touch on the artwork part for this arc I like the art again the action is well done. Uh, the characters have great facial expressions, so that helps with the comedy as well. And I continue to dig the character designs as well. I thought Boiled looked great for his hard-boiled personality, kind of like that, uh, kind of like that nineteen seventies private, uh, more like a nineteen seventies uh, police detective. You know, with the beanie top and a cop sunglasses and always has like a match out of his mouth kind of like Sylvester Stallone from Cobra and the shirt with the grenades all over it like he looked good he fit his style I thought the style of his character really well and uh, I also of course duh, Kevin you know I like uh, Obaguru's leather uh, uh, (laughs) bikini top and leather hot pants costume and heels (laughs) or why wouldn't I (laughs) so again (laughs) the character lines are really well done I think in the co- yeah. in, for the story arc
0: yeah and overall i think the story arc does a good job of just showing how things quickly escalate i think it just gives yep. you it, it's both showing you like oh this is how he's going to write a long-term story arc but in, in all quick fashion because again this chap this story arc is what six chapters long um so yeah. it's not it's not very long like you would typically get from a manga so i like that we're int- start- starting to get a slow buildup of like bigger a bigger story going on which again going back to the whole bounty on taro's head of like it is going to slowly become more and more and with especially with Boyle and obi we're kind of getting a teaser of the type of assassins that are going to be coming out, that each yeah. of the assassins that are going to be coming out after the Sakamoto family is going to have their own unique flair to it. It's not all just like kind of your standard assassin, like kind of hitman style, but yes. it's, everybody's going to be a character on itself and, I'm, and Boyle and obi are the perfect analogies of, of that, of just like showing, hey, this is going to be, the type. just expect outrageous characters that all have different looks to them they're not all going to be the same just in a, in a suit it's going to be diff- different styles of, of assassins that are going to be coming after them um, and which kind of gets into our the next movie two- on, oh, oh, yeah. one move uh,
1: I just I got to point out that when we learn about the Don Denkai yeah. the assassin group that's trying to kill Sakamoto where does Suzuki have Sakamoto and Shin and Lu go for this information is it some really cool, elaborate underground secret place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it something flashy and easy? no? It's this run-of-the-mill movie rental store renting not Blu-rays, Kevin, but VHS <laughs> tapes. Yeah. And you get the tape. You go to the viewing room, and the tape tells you whatever secret information you need to have. And that's how they this this organization passes you know secret it's information a, around from spy to, to assassin to spy to assassin. It's very Mission I, Impossible. It, It is, but but again, it's using something so super common, right? Like a movie rental place renting VHS. It's nothing. It's nothing fancy or elaborate or high tech. Or it it just goes with this world, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then yeah, and doing VHS tapes, which is like for while we remember VHS tapes, not like your kids won't (laughs) at all. No, I
1: thought that was
0: going back into like how very old school this like some of this world is like the assassins where yeah you have a vh yeah. of the Don- donkai which is the big bad of the series and like it they, yeah. they, they still have this old school thing of like vhs tapes out in the world somehow just is, awesome which Sorry. is your left like how confident are the donkai that they have this in just a rental place so yes that, like why why would they still have it there and why would not it be more of secret which again just kind of feeds into that stuff too
1: yeah, 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 sorry. I had, I had no, to no,
0: you're, oh, no, yeah, you're, you're totally fine. I, I actually forgot about that. So it's good that you, you mentioned that before I, we get into the next arc, which is really like two chapters, like because it just kind of continuing this of like where yeah. and we're just kind of moving settings from the Sugar Park uh, to where Taru, Shin, and Lu just decide, hey, you know what? We can't let this ha- let this continue. We can't just continue fighting off all these assassins. So you know what? Let's just take the fight to them. They yep. go to the Dodonkai uh, HQ. Um, while Sakamoto's team is taking out the, like all the guards, really, they're not like super assassins. They're just kind of guards into headquarters. As that is going on, we learned that, uh, or we actually see Nagamo, he's actually in a meeting with all the super elite assassins. And this is where we find out about, there's this assassin and Nagamo actually once Sakamoto's team enters this room where there's a bunch of dead bodies around. Um, Nagamo shares that, uh, there's this assassin that came, uh, started revealing himself when the bounty on Taro's head came, came out um, that, and his name is X. That's the only thing that we know about him is that his name is X, that he leaves like an X mark on the wall and he's actually going around killing the suit uh, super assassins. Um, so it's kind of teasing us that maybe this X character is using the bounty on Taro's head as a cover to kill all the assassins in the world. And we also learn about, this is where we actually learn about the super elite assassins uh, of of uh, the Sakamoto Days world that um, Taro was a part of and also Nagamo were a part of that they are the ones that are seen as keeping order um, throughout the world and so it's not just Japan it's throughout other countries um, and so, so again uh, Nagamo kind of shares this and just kind of puts it out there so now we have kind of almost like our own big bad in, in a way of with X and this legendary figure that is going out there and killing people and killing top assassins so we have that to contend with and that kind of wraps up chapter 14 and 15 of just kind of setting that up and it's kind of more just setup of the world of, of this while also dealing with the what getting more into taro's backstory with him being part of the order which is called for the super assassins um and from there we kind of go back into a normal we get two more two more one shots a couple more one shot stories one of them being uh Hannah um, just kind of going into Hannah's birth and how actually it might be Hannah's birth that calmed Toru completely down from being a hitman because when she when he saw uh, Hannah, Hannah for the first time he just completely just became just a p- pile of mush and just said like going very po- acting very poetic about her birth and being like um, being how she's his flower and everything like that and so kind of you get into of h- how he's very protective of his kid and we we see how protective uh, how how protective he is of hannah by when like a boy comes in and says oh let me be can i be your boyfriend and taru hears this and he is not happy and like the next next thing you see is that taru's get back at the convenience store getting his gun ready polishing his gun and like Alex is <laughs> telling him you are not killing that boy just stop that <laughs> get that idea but like he's obviously ready like to throw, throw hands with this little kid that's flirting with his daughter and and again, we and we get a couple more one shots where we get introduced to another assassin. From there, and kind of that just kind of wraps up the entire assassin killer arc and wraps up these these first eighteen chapters. Uh, what what do you think of the uh, of the assassin killer arc and just kind of what we see um, te- teased
1: out? So this this little arc here, it's not a traditional arc. Chapters fourteen. and This is you know again. I've been reading this since the beginning, and I convinced Kevin we'd do this podcast, and so (laughs) we had to find a spot to kind of cut off uh, where we would, you know, I had to find a spot in this manga where to cut it off to give a good introduction to people. I chose chapter 18, 14 to 18, like you said, Kevin, they're really a a couple of one-shots, a bunch of one-shots. The reason why 18 is the perfect cutoff point is because with chapter 19, you start the next big story arc and chapter 19 runs all the way to what's going on right now. Okay. Yeah. So I felt like 18 was the right place to cut it off, even though it's just, a, so what's interesting is you have Suzuki again, he starts the manga off with some one shots, then rolls into the first big story arc with the sugar park arc. Right. And then he takes a step back, does a couple of one shots to fill in some more information on the characters and the world right? This time we're focusing mainly on Sakamoto and his relationship with Hannah, his daughter, and filling that in, and then also filling in more information about Sakamoto when he was a hitman, and also building out this world that this manga is set in by explaining to us who the order is. We meet four order members. We know Sakamoto is a member. They make reference to four additional order members who are not at this meeting, one of the assassins says this isn't the full roster. There's only four of us. So we know there are four other ones out there. So there's eight total still around that we know of that are part of the Order. And we learn that this mysterious X is killing members of the Japanese Assassin Association. And now the Order have been called in to find this mysterious killer X. So we're building out this, continuing to build out the 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 world filling in some of the character work right and also establishing like we did in chapter six establishing boom here is you know at this chapter six the focal of the story was there's a, a bounty on Sakamoto's head now with the with the end of uh, chapter 18 it's we got this mysterious x who is killing the assassins And the order is now been brought into the story to find X. And our heroes are going to have to deal with this. So I like the character work. I like the continuing to flesh out the world. And I like that, again, Suzuki chooses the one-shot format to perform his pivot to the next big story arc. I like that, rather than just running from story arc to story arc to story arc. That can get a little tiring for readers. For me, I thought the best... What I liked so much about it, again, you just – I love the characters. I like that we see how Sakamoto is such a great dad and that he's willing to do anything for his daughter. And the whole chapter where he and Shin have to get that stupid special edition
0: purse. Backpack, backpack,
1: sorry. Yeah, special edition backpack. And the ridiculousness they have to go through to get it. And how they get beaten up by a bunch of grandmothers who are really tough. It's so – Funny.
0: This, this is like the bloodiest we actually see sakamoto is like not not all the fights that he got into assassins is just like being beaten up by grandmothers yes. and mothers trying to get this backpack yes and like it, you see him it, with like a bunch of bandages around him yes. by the time he's dropping off hannah
1: i thought that was uh hilarious and i think also like the the spoofing of the training you know because you always see manga characters got to train train for the next big yeah. you know, the next big conflict. And so our character's like, we got to train, we got to train. So Shin refines his mind-reading abilities by meet, reading the minds of people who come into the store to buy stuff. And he has everything in their basket ready for them before they can even go to buy anything. And like the one female customer's like, Ugh, what, this is creepy. And uh, Lou has to train. Remember, she's drunk in style. So how does she train? She starts drinking alcohol like a fish. <laughs> it's just... It's just more silly comedy interspersed with the really good character work and good world building. So I really like these these couple of chapters.
0: Yeah, and I like that he goes with this direction because again, just coming off like what what is the biggest story arc of this of this series? And just being knowing that hey, you know what, let's deal with the aftermath right away and get yep. that out of the way with two quick two quick chapters of that. And which again do a very good job of world building, kind of introducing us to not just X but also the Order, which is the yep super elite assassins that taru was a part of. And I like that you also see it where like kind of setting up Nagamo as well, because Nagamo is part of the the order um of the elite assassins. And just kind of setting him up as another badass because we kind of got that a little bit in his introduction. But this is where we really get how badass Nagamo is and you kind of get an idea that he is on Taru's level. And it's a good thing that he's actually on Taru's side because it taru does not want him to be on the other side of, of things. So Again, right. I, I like that. Again, Nagamo isn't part of the main cast, but I'm glad that at least they're setting him up as like a good ally for Taru to yeah. have. And he's going to be like kind of almost like the Racer X of this series. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, Just make, just, make, just kind of making a Speed Racer to, to reference because I like choppy that every <laughs> once in a while. Um, But yeah, he's kind of like that special character where, yeah. he's, where, where you see he's like a special character, but he's not part of the main cast of this. And I, I like that part of it. Again, keeping up mystery, you don't need every character to be part of the main
1: four um we do of- get introduced to uh hisuke hisuke mashimo who is an assassin who's a sniper who uses a bird uh, that he, that he can talk to that will target the bird will help him target yeah, his yeah, targets yeah, yeah. for him he uh is a will be a character that will reoccur going okay. forward too that, that, so he, to another know. supporting cast brought in to help flesh out our roster of characters yeah. and i like him you only see him He's brought in in chapter 17, and we see him in 18. Uh, but he's a uh, he's a he's a pretty interesting character. And again, yeah. uh, Suzuki follows that that nice traditional, you know, shonen manga trope of once our heroes defeat him, what does Sakamoto do? Sakamoto tells him that he's the best sniper, the most amazing sniper he's ever seen in his life and it's good because uh this assassin's kind of going through a crisis in confidence yeah <laughs> before again, just,
0: not not every not there's no perfect character in this world and again just kind of right. setting that up there's like every character has their own flaws and just like yes. and, and, and they're some of them are over exaggerated but uh but it's still just like yeah, every character no is a every character is a flawed character and just kind of diving into that Yeah, and i saw him as kind of um, he, he just almost reminded me of Boyle and Obigoro, where, like, they both survive at the end, and they both become allies almost at the end, and, yeah. like, that that's what I thought of, like, that these, there's more characters that, while they're not going to be the core for, they're going to be part of, like, the supporting cast of the series, which I'm yes. glad that they're that they're setting up, like, there's there's Nagamo, there's Boyle, there's Obigoro, and you're kind of getting these characters that can come in and out whenever the story needs, but they're not always going to be in every story, especially with how, like, Suzuki uh, treats this like does a lot of one shots. And I'm glad that we do have these supporting characters that kind of flesh out the world that when, when the story needs it, we're, we're probably going to see them again. I don't know if we're going to see them after these 18 chapters or how often we're going to see them, but I'm glad that there's these other supporting characters that are
1: like secondary cast members. Right. Well, what's, what's great about Hisuki is that he's, he is a very low ranking assassin. He's very low ranking. He's kind of dumb. And because of this, and he's very young, and because of this, he has a real—he has really low self-esteem and self-confidence. And so, I again, it's it's taking these kind of outrageous characters, right, and pairing them up with Sakamoto, who is who is the who is the, the level-headed, more reserved character. But Sakamoto pulling these characters up and inspiring them, and I like that Suzuki has Sakamoto inspire Haisuki at the end by saying, No man, be confident in yourself. You're yeah. you're an amazing sniper. Yeah. And I just I like that it's a positive message that I like to see in my shonen manga, right? We have enough the negativity out in the world. I always the like power, that positive it's po- message. It's the power of friendship. Yep. Amen. Brother. <laughs> that, that's the message of every manga. Every, every,
0: it's, the, it's the theme of every manga. It's the power of friendship. Um but yep but yeah but I and I also like that just going back to kind of the first chapter as well that anytime we get a major character introduced it's always like in two chapters really with lou with and then Shin, yes. Shin, the, the first chapter is 55 pages so yeah you know, that that is really two chapters in one and it yep. kind of the same thing with lou her introduction is is two chapters and Suki is is also two chapters and even uh even uh and Obi-Goro who are really in this for like you could say two chapters really like all these characters that are going to be recurrent in this series get those two chapter treatments instead of the one-shot treatment and I'm glad that like it's a subtle thing to do but it's just like going into how that's kind of how you identify these characters as oh they'll be around for more than just this one one one-shot story or this one story arc. Yep absolutely. So, So So again again overall i think this these 18 chapters i'm very glad i re- read it and i'm excited to read more of it and just catch up to what the current story arc is is and where where everything is at and and again thank you very much rock for introducing me to this um <laughs> this, 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 this uh, series so um and i'm very excited to read more of it um and just find out what the Sakamoto family is up to so um overall rock when when it comes to these 18 chapters what would you score it
1: I would go, I'm going to give it straight eights. Eight Night Girls out of 10 for the story. Eight Night Girls out of 10 for the art. I really enjoyed the first 18 chapters. I got hooked on this series immediately. <laughs> Suzuki just does a wonderful job with the comedy. He does a wonderful job with the, with the action. And Suzuki also, his character work, he is able to pull off character work in such a a concise fashion i mean seriously all it takes suzuki is a chapter or two and you have an awesome sense of a well fleshed out character the character work is just it's very impressive it's really really well done how he can do it in such a compressed condensed fashion so i think if you like comedy if you like action you like good character work this is a story i think Most people who like those things will really enjoy. (laughs) And I think the art is good. Now, look, are the background, the backgrounds to these panels, anything to write home about? Not really, not really, not all the time. But the art, while it may not hit the same highs of like, uh, you know, maybe Uh, Kaiju number eight. eight, Okay. It may not hit those kind of crazy highs. It never has any real lows, in my opinion. It's very consistent. It's very solid. And since this is a character-driven story, the characters, I think, are well-designed. The facial expressions are really well done. And the action scenes, for me, are also very well done. Suzuki is able to draw some intense action scenes that are just full of kinetic energy you know they leap off the page at you and Suzuki's very creative in the fighting styles and the action scenes and the different things that sakamoto will use as a weapon ranging from you know bird seed to a refrigerator to a frying pan you never know what he's going to use so <laughs> it's very it's very creative so you know I, I really recommend it if you like action you like comedy you, you should really give this give it a try it's, it's something a little bit different than what you were traditionally get, I think.
0: Yeah. And I couldn't put it any better. And I think I completely agree that it, this is an eight night girls out of 10 for me straight across the board for story art. art. Um, oh, like I said before, it, this just, it's a very fun to get into a comedy action series. Cause like you said before that, the, this is a very co- comedy centric, uh, with the action, just adding to the comedy. Um, so I do think it's a comedy first and and it just got me excited to read more of it and again if you're looking for something that's more lighthearted that's still action-based I think this is a great series to read whether you're a Concord fan or a Mega fan um and yeah and I think Suzuki just knocks it out of the park in in terms of doing a lot of world building in these 18 chapters introducing us to a lot of characters and a lot of characters that you're just interested in and want to see what what they're going to be up to in the future so again I do recommend checking out Sakamoto Days you could read it on the Viz Media app if you have the subscription there or you could also um, buy, buy the individual volumes. I think that there's a couple of volumes out already and you could also get the individual chapters. So again, highly recommend che- checking out Sakamoto Days when you get the chance. Um, and again, that, that that is where we're going to close out this episode of the Manga Revolution podcast. Again, if you want to catch um, past episodes or more of our work that we do with comic books and manga, you could check us out at Revolution and that, that's where you'll find all, all Rock and I's work um, and Rock th- again thank you very much for joining me on this episode and I look forward to doing a more, uh,
1: another episode with you absolutely fun as always and all I love right. when I can, can get Kevin to hop on yet another <laughs> title to read and take up even more of his time <laughs> well
0: thank you very much for doing that so uh, like uh, obviously we have all the time in the world with what's going on in the world right now so, but again, th- again thank you very much and again everybody have a great rest of your day